Thursday, October the 12th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have NFL Week 6 game previews with Eric. We went a little quick hitters on these this week because I was uh, just running a little behind with schedule. was out of town last week, so just trying to catch up a little bit still. But we did preview all of the games coming up for NFL Week 6 with Eric. Then we get into some weekend racing. Woodbine Friday, early pick 5 preview. Following that, we have this weekend in Stable Duel. Barry Spears joins me. We both give out best bets for Friday Keeneland and for Saturday Keeneland. So each of us give out a few best bets for Friday Keeneland and then for Saturday Keeneland. We finish up this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. Make sure to get to that website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Well, let's start right away with NFL Week 6. Quick game previews for all of the Week 6 games right now with Eric. Coming up on NFL Week 6. Now, I'm a little behind this week. I was out of town last week, so Eric was nice enough to uh, be a little flexible. And we're going to go through a little quicker than we normally do on this segment, but that's fine because we're still going to have the winning ticket later on this week for DRF where we'll give out best bets. And then on Sunday morning, we'll even be able to dive in a little bit more at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for NFL betting blitz. But Eric, we got to get right on into it and talk about tonight's Thursday night football game, the Broncos at the Chiefs. This number is up over 10 now. We have the Broncos coming off that disappointing loss against the Jets. Peyton talked a bunch of shit about Hackett, and then Hackett's out there beating him up. Um, The Broncos are struggling. They have the worst defense in the league. They are one of the worst teams in the league by most metrics. But this is still a big number for a Chiefs team whose offense hasn't been the type of offense of of old Chiefs teams. Did you we're on a short week here in a divisional game? I think Denver kept this game these games pretty close last year too when they played KC. Would you be on the Denver side here? Yeah, I took Denver plus the ten and a half. I thought so. Um, Over ten is that where you jump in? Yeah, anything over 10, Mahomes historically struggles to cover these big numbers. Uh, The offenses look good for the Broncos. The Chiefs struggle running the ball. Broncos purposely set up Javante Williams an extra week so he'd be healthy for this game. I think they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. And this Chiefs offense a little bit more banged up than people realize, and they've really struggled. They just haven't looked brisk. I'll take the Broncos plus the ten and a half. I think what it, what's going to happen in this game, too, it's a short week. Kelsey might not be playing. I don't think the Chiefs are worried about beating up the Broncos either. I think the Chiefs try to run the ball in this game. Because the Broncos' run defense has been so bad. I, I, I'm making a play in this game, Eric. I'm going to play the Pacheco over 77 and a half yards. So the Broncos gave up 5.3 yards per carry to Washington in Week 2. They allowed 350 yards rushing to Miami. They The Bears had 171 yards rushing on 31 carries. And the Jets had 234 yards rushing on 32 carries. Hall had 177. I'm going to lean on Pacheco. I played the over 77 and a half yards rushing. I like it. I like it. Feel like it's like the game script against a bad defense. So that's one of the plays for me in this one. Let's move on to game two. Remember, we're looking at DRF Sportsbook. That's the place you can go to make your wagers if you're in the state of Iowa. Use our promo code FAST350, and it'll give you all the way up to a $350 sign-up bonus there when you do so. So, uh, Eric, game two on our uh, on our 
slate to discuss. This heads on into Sunday. We've got Ravens at Titans here. And this is another one of the international games. Am I correct? Yep, international games. Uh, this line's kind of a bouncing all over the place. I was convinced I want anything when it was over three. Uh, the weakness of the Titans' defense is defending defending the pass. Jackson and this Ravens' offense has struggled this year. Uh, everyone thought this offense was going to be more explosive. They're only averaging nine yards more passing. That's it. They had so last no. They had 10 drops in that game. I think there were seven that were graded as drops, and then two or three were like the receiver trips. Um, it's to the chemistry is not quite there. I haven't – there have been one, maybe one or two of the games where it felt like Lamar was a little bit off. I've been just more disappointed overall in the pass catchers, and you were pointing that out when we talked about them throughout early in the year is that – you know, you got a lot of these guys like who can really step up and be your number one. None of them have proven. Andrew seems like he's not quite the same guy that he used to be. And even with the good stuff from Flowers, like they still don't have like enough legitimate pass catchers out there. Yeah, they really are missing that true number one. Obviously, the injury to Dobbins, they don't have that um, back, uh, that running back that that's kind of like the stud. Running back, Vrabel as a dog, 61% in non-home games, so neutral or road, that's 60%. When getting over three points, 69.7%. Titans are starting to get healthy. Ravens are still banged up. Ravens really have no identity. We know what this Titans team is. Tannehill has consistently looked better. They started to work in the play-action game a lot against the Colts with some success. I think they're going to be able to work it here with the Ravens. Ravens are still banged up. I'm a little worried, though. Um, I just found out right before we're recording this that the Titans aren't even over there yet. I'm worried they could start a little slow. Like the Bills we saw last week, right? Yeah. I think it's better with these international games. You get out there as soon as you can. I agree. Ravens have been out there since Monday. Titans aren't leaving until Friday. But I'll still say, take the Titans here, anything over three. I think it's the Titans or nothing if you're playing this game. And if you get over the field goal, that's sort of how I'm I'm looking at this one. Let's continue along, Eric. We head next to Panthers at the Dolphins. This game is around the two-touchdown game, so we're seeing 13-and-a-half right now. The Panthers 0-5, the Dolphins 4-1. and I mean, I the the I want really badly to be on the Panthers' side, and I might if we can get it to 14 or above. That's probably going to be my buy-in point just because it's such a big number for a Miami Dolphins team that has a pretty bad defense and – Honestly, Tua started to struggle a little bit more than people think. If you're just looking at some of his metrics, the last couple of weeks have not been very good for him. This team just flies, though. They have the seven fastest ball carrying speeds this year by Next Gen Stats. They set and extended the record for the most yardage through five games, and the Panthers just cannot move the ball at all. But this does feel like a situation where the Panthers are at about as low value point as possible right now based on how poor they've looked. Some of the stuff that Frank Reich said about how the owner likes to get involved with everything, that doesn't sound good. Like he has meetings with his owner all the time. And I I don't feel good about Carolina, but gosh, it feels like that's the right spot in this game, right, Eric? Yeah, I want 14. Me and too. If this gets to 14, I'll be that's in the what, Panthers. Yep. If it's not nothing, just, um, nothing. I think this number's a little bit inflated. Uh Dolphins have the Eagles on deck in a primetime matchup. They just want to get everyone healthy. They could really sit on the ball late once they get up 10 or 10, 17, open the door for a back door. I'll take the, uh, I'll take the Panthers here, but nothing, uh, nothing until I get that number. 
the Dolphins are the number 25 defensive DVOA. And when you look at like a lot of the defensive metrics, they're terrible. They have a 48.8% success rate allowed on defense. So think about that. Almost every other play is a successful play. Whatever play you're running, running or passing. Like they're almost allowing a success play rate on half. They're they're second to last in the league. So we still we we get big eyes when we see Miami because of how good their offense is, and they're fast. And McDaniel's done a really good job. Like he's a smart coach, but man, this defense is not good. And with big numbers like this, I mean, this is right for Carolina being down twenty and backdooring. You know, yeah, if, for sure, hundred percent. If you if you're like if you're playing this game and we can get to fourteen, like that's what we're waiting for. Wait for fourteen, and then that back door is just wide open there. Um, can Carolina get their first win? They are zero and five so far this year. Let's go to the Colts at the Jags for our next one. Both of these teams are three and two. You've got the Colts after Richardson gets hurt. Minshew came in the middle of the game. Um, this is actually the third time in four starts that Richardson has gotten hurt. And Minshew's played really solid. The thing is, though, that's sort of where Minshew is good, like in the middle of a game, because he's um, when teams are sort of prepared for another quarterback, once you prepare for him for a few weeks or for a little while, he's not anything more than just an average guy. And he's not big and he doesn't run or anything like that. But He's fine. He's a serviceable backup. Um, the Jags pick up their two wins in London. They caught the Bills in a great spot, right? The Bills are coming off that big Miami game and then having to travel. Bills traveled late, and it showed. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really get a feel, a great feel for this game, Eric. I know the Colts have played Jacksonville really tough, and I overall, I think I like the Colts a little bit more than most, and I'm a little still down on the Jags more than most, but not the strongest of opinion for me. If I'm going one way, it would be Colts in here, but I'm not necessarily lining up to bet it yet. Talk to us on this one. Uh, yeah, I love the Colts here. I gave this one out on Tuesday on my, on my show at plus five. This is the spot of spots in my eyes. You have the Jaguars who've come back from London after being there in two weeks. We really don't know how their body clock's going to be. I don't know if you've ever been overseas to London, but it's just a little weird since you're so far ahead. You just kind of, it just, takes it took me three days to kind of get back i think it's going to take these guys a little bit to get back too there's been 11 times that a team has gone overseas and came back in all 11 games they've been trailing in the fourth quarter so i look for that trend to continue here and then you just look at the spot you have a young team coming off a big win over the bills i obviously love to fade them in the spot peterson 46 percent ats is a favorite as a home favorite, 42%. Lawrence is a favorite, only 30%. The Colts' strength is their front four with how much the Jaguars have struggled in the offensive line. I think the Colts are going to be able to limit the Jays' attack, get to Lawrence. And also, if you do a deep dive into that game over at London, they really weren't able to move the ball until Milano got hurt for the Bills. Um, Jonathan Taylor's second game back, I think will be a bigger factor in the offense. Anything over three I like. I locked it in at five. Colts plus five. Both leaning Colts. Eric's already locked that one in. We head next to divisional game between two, one, and four teams here, Eric. You've got the Vikings and the Bears. It's funny in this because when you look at the Vikings and you look at their metrics and like DVOA and EPA metrics, really on both offense and on defense, they're like right in the middle in everything. Just not great at anything. 
and not really horrible at anything. They're just like a really super average team, but they're getting some bad bounces this year because they got all the great bounces last year. Still, they're a three-point favorite on the road in here playing a Bears team that's actually looked a little bit more comfortable offensively in their last few games. They were number one in EPA per dropback uh, or number one in EPA per play last week offensively. They snapped that 14-game losing streak. DJ Moore actually has three games of 100 yards receiving in the last four weeks. And this offense is number five in rushing EPA, number 10 in rushing DVOA, and number 10 in rushing success rate. No Jefferson for the Vikings here. Do you play the divisional home dog here with the Bears? No, I got nothing. You got the Staying Bears away. coming off a big game. Um, yeah, Bears coming off a big game. Uh, you don't know how a young team is going to react. A little banged up in the running back room. How the Vikings are going to react losing Jefferson. Vikings... Believe it or not, they're blocking great. They their offensive line is doing great, especially in run blocking. Like overachieving. Absolutely. Yeah, you can you can run on the Bears team. Um, you know, there's some stuff going on with fields off the court, off the court, off the field too. So uh it's it sounds yeah, weird I'm, saying I'm, with fields anyway. off the field though, right? I see why you with were going fields, off the court. Yeah. That sounds a little weird, so, you know. <laughs> it it's it does, you know, but there's some stuff going on. So uh I'll just pass here. Okay. Uh Eric, we go to the Saints and the Texans. I locked this one in when it was Texans plus the two. I reason why I'm looking at this game and why I played this one. The Saints just destroyed the Patriots. Here's how they scored some of their points in that game. A pick six, a short field 60-yard touchdown after the Patriots missed a field goal. They kicked a field goal after the Patriots fumbled, and they scored a 31-yard touchdown drive after a Patriots interception all on Patriots misses because the Patriots offense has been really inept. They've got a strong defense. When you look at their metrics, here's who the saints has played, have played though. So far Tannehill and the Titans. And in week one, remember how bad Tannehill was. He had the three interceptions and the two misses. And that was the difference between winning and losing, just missing wide open receivers. They played Bryce young and the Panthers. And that's been one of the worst offenses in the league, especially attacking down the field. They played Jordan Love and the Packers without some of their key pieces. They played Baker Mayfield in Tampa. And while I'm a Baker fan and Baker's been very good this year, he's still not a prolific quarterback. And that's not some high-powered offense. And then they played Mac Jones. I don't know how good the Saints team is. I'm sure their defense is good, but I think it's a little better. Right now it looks a little better than it really is. Um, The Texans, what I liked, even though they lost last week, they went on a drive took the lead in that game and Stroud showed us again. Like he's the guy. He still has no interceptions. He can lead this team on drives, game winning drives when it's close. You know, their defense just couldn't hold out and Ritter played really well for Atlanta last week. I like the Texans in this spot. Yeah. To me, this is just a pass. I mean, you have a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, two big wins going up against the Saints team and Dennis Allen, we can say what he wants about him being a head coach, really good defensive coach. Uh, Derek Carr banged up. I just, I don't know. To me, this is just a stay away. I just have too many questions on both sides of the ball. Stay away for Eric Saints, Texans. I've locked in the Texans. We go next to Seahawks at the Bengals here. So you got the Seahawks kind of quietly three and one right now. They're coming off of their bye. And, you know, a lot of the metrics have the Seahawks graded pretty well. They're number eight in DVOA, number eight in offense, number 14 in defense. They're healthier. They were really banged up going into the bye. They're going to play a Cincinnati team. They got a nice win last week, but man, the 
the more we watch Arizona, overall, they're feisty, but Arizona's defense is miserable. They are really, really bad. They're one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, based on success rate, they're, they have a 50.8% success rate allowed. So that means every other play you're running against Arizona is a positive play, running, passing, anything. And look at some of the games that Arizona has played. They let the Giants score 30 points in the second half. Uh, Arizona let the 49ers have the most efficient offensive game of any team this year. And then the Bengals, who have looked miserable, looked like world beaters in the old Bengals last week against Arizona. I want to play Seattle here. I'm just going to probably stay away. Like, I'm not going to lay it with Cincinnati. I I, I think it's a good spot for Seattle. Um, but I, I've got other plays I like here, Eric. I'm going to stay away from this one. Yeah, I mean, was what we saw against the Bengals, against the Cardinals, the real Bengals team. Uh, flip side, Seattle is really bad defending the pass. Who's going to mm-hmm. guard Chase? Um Defensive line of the Bengals has been a huge letdown this year. I'm not doing anything in this game at all. Stay away for Eric. We go next to 49ers at the Browns. So 49ers looked very impressive on Sunday night football. They beat the Cowboys, the big win, two really popular teams. This feels like the perfect spot to want to fade the 49ers after they have to go on the road on a short week. They play the Browns one of the best defenses in the league. The obviously with the Browns, what's going to be, what's difficult about the spot though, is that are we getting PJ, your boy from the XFL? Is this PJ? Yeah. Look, PJ we time? Don't really don't know. We That's really don't what, know. I, Cause it's, it's a Brown that, spot, right? That, but it's just. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. I locked in. My thought process is this, like the 49ers are great. Like, like honestly, like I do my little power rankings they're on the top of the list. They are a phenomenal team. But when you look at them offensively, Brock Purdy looked great. Offensive tight end, Kittle, phenomenal. Wide receiver, Jennings, Debo, um, Ayuk, phenomenal. Running back, CMC, Mitchell, phenomenal. What's kind of like if you had to kind of grade their weakness? If they do have a weakness, it would be the offensive line. Obviously, the defensive line is yep. the strength of the um, – The Browns. Uh, the Browns, you look at whenever Jim Schwartz has gone up against Kyle Shanahan, he's eight and three straight up with this number close to seven. Look, I bet it at six just because it got a little bit too high. And I thought, I thought Watson was going to practice and I thought it would drift down. Obviously, my intel was wrong. So now I'm sitting at a dead number at six. Uh, I just kind of have to hold my position. Obviously, if it looks that, um, Watson isn't going to play, you know, I'll probably buy out of it at some point, but I just kind of feel like it's a bad spot. It is historically that play a West coast game on Sunday night football that have to travel are, I believe it's like 44% ATS in the spot. Skifanski does do good um, in the spot as a home dog. Uh, Good matchup for Cooper. I think if Watson is back there and with how good their line is, he should be able to give them time. They can move the ball. And we can say what we want to about, like, I think we all can agree that the 49ers are like a, like heads and tails or whatever the saying you want above the Cowboys. But that was kind of like a big game. You know, you can kind of fade them out traveling out to the east, and there's supposed to be some weather concerns there. And if there's weather concerns, that's going to eliminate the dynamic playmakers that Even the 49ers a, do have. 
it, even in a very simple, that's a great point. Even in a very simple sense, look at this total. It's 37 and a half and we got an eight point <clears throat> spread, right? They're telling us this is going to yeah. be a really low scoring game and, and it's a huge spread. It's over a touchdown. Like that's like gambling 101. One of the things that you would teach someone right away in a low total, if it's a big spread, you're going to take the dog there. And especially a dog at home. It's just, when you play a team like San Francisco and you may have a quarterback like a PJ Walker or a DTR, I mean, there's possibilities that they just don't score at all. You know, like that, that's what's hard. Yeah. In, like in, when you're playing in the back of your head, but I wouldn't want to lay the number with San Francisco at all, even though like Eric's saying, whatever you're looking at, they're going to be in the top three teams in the league, three to five on anyone's list for San Francisco. Now moving forward, it's who have they beaten? Because now we we start looking at Dallas and it's like, is Dallas that good? They look good against bad teams. The thing about Dallas that disappoints me, it, it's really more of their coaching, I think, because every time they're in a big game or a big moment or against another really good squad, they get punched in the face and they can't punch back. You know, they beat up on bullies. Um, it's a really bad spot for San Francisco, but you know they've gotten they've gotten away with it and, and they've covered in bad spots um, for a while still. Let's move to the next one, Eric. Washington at Atlanta. I locked this one in actually at Atlanta minus the two and a half. Um, I was very uh, pleased last week. That was like a do or die type game for Ritter. And he was second in passing success rate on the week. Fifth in EPA per pass. Early down passes. They were awesome. Uh, John U. Smith actually had a drop on third that forced him to punt. They had another opportunity where he fumbled later in the game and they got zero points on that drive. Pitts, London, and Smith were all used in the passing game. This guy is 31 and 0 at home. That's the key, Eric. 31 and 0 at home in college and in uh in the NFL. Washington does come off a couple extra days. Um, I just think these, if I'm looking at these two teams, I think Atlanta is a lot better than I think of Washington. So at this smaller number, I I bought I uh went and, and played this game th- thinking it might get to three uh before it did. And this is kind of what we were thinking about with Atlanta, why we played them early in the year and a lot of the futures. They're three and two right now. They're favored again at home to win this game. And they played their two toughest games already. They had the games already against the Lions and the Jags, which were the toughest games on their schedule. So they have a really like nice opportunity if they can just play mistake-free football to be like kind of a competent team moving forward. Yeah. Um, again, I just... I don't know. Like I'm a little bit, I just passed in this game just because mainly Washington's coming off an extended rest. They got a few um, extra days, you know, going in there, Atlanta just kind of figures out a way to win. You have to expect a better effort from, from the commanders. And I'm a little worried about Ritter going up against Chase Young, Allen and sweat and company. So at the end of the day, I definitely lean toward the Falcons, but in terms of betting, I didn't do anything. Stay away. For Eric, Eric, this is another one that I uh, locked in right away. Um, uh, I actually played this yesterday, though, at uh, Patriots plus the three playing the Raiders here. I just think this is the buy low point for New England. Everybody's talking about Belichick being done. We've seen Mac Jones benched a couple times. Like, you know what? That stuff might even be true. Like, Mac might not be good. Belichick might be done. They Who knows? All that. But right now, there's such a negative Patriots connotation vibe out there. And they come off that game where I pointed out all the reasons why their offense was bad. You know, their defense is still solid. Like, their defense is still like a top 12 defense in DVOA. 
they just turn the ball over so much offensively. They have been really ugly. They don't have playmakers. But then I look at the Raiders side. The Raiders are number 28 in offense. Uh, they're number 28 overall in DVOA. They are a worse team based on the metrics than the Patriots. And they're the number 31 offense in the league. The Raiders are. I I feel like this is just a really low point for the Patriots. At plus three, I locked it in. But I don't know if I'd want to take much less than that. I'm, I like the three that I got there. Um, talk to us about Patriots, Raiders. You know, these teams are familiar with each other. Belichick knows McDaniels, obviously. Um, I think the Raiders have a couple wins this year that probably could have been losses too. So I'm on the Pat side. Yeah, I was able to get this at three and a half. Uh, just, you know, kind of like a selling point. Raiders coming off a big primetime victory, short week. I know they're still going to be playing at home. Flip side, uh, I think, you know, the Patriots need to be able to move the ball. They're losing on pick sixes. Pick sixes have I know. less than 5% of They're the time. They're so fluky. There's been some random turnover stuff. There could be a world where they did win a couple games where they beat the, the um, Dolphins, uh, Eagles, and there's one other game I'm spacing on where they could be sitting at a phenomenal record in looking at going to the playoffs instead of where they are here. I'm not sold on this Raiders team. Uh, I think offensively they're kind of limited with whoever's at quarterback. Josh Jacobs hasn't looked too good. Their offensive line has struggled. I'll take the um, I'll take the Patriots here, three or over. We get to Arizona at the Rams. Arizona has been feisty so far this year. Offensively, they've actually been pretty competent. Defensively, they're they're pretty bad. The Rams are, and both of these teams, I think, look better than we thought. And Eric, you actually called it. You thought both of these teams were going to be a little bit better and more feisty than people assumed, especially the Rams. Cooper Cup is back. I this just feels like a little too big of a number for me. I'm staying away because I I don't really like what I've seen from Arizona's defense. I've been a little impressed with the Rams, but seven seems a little bit high for a Rams team that I still don't think is that fantastic offensively. I, this is just a stay away for me. Uh, yep, 100% stay away. Um, yeah. Don't know how their offense is going to look with no Connor. Uh, defense for the Rams, you know, Rams, I, Rams aren't going to be that team that just blows you away. No, it's not going to do it. So no. they're a tough number, team to lay that I, that number with. Yeah. I do like I do like the Rams on Survivor. Yeah, that's a good call because this is probably one their best spot to take the Rams in Survivor. How about we get to the number three team in DVOA right now? The Detroit Lions. They have the number four ranked offense in the league. The number three or the number three ranked offense. The number four ranked defense, and they just are playing like one of the best teams in football right now. They're a three and a half point favorite though on the road here at Tampa playing a Bucks team coming off the bye. What do you think about your Lions in this spot here? Uh, I think the Bucks plus three and a half, um, you know, Bucks coming off a bye. Really don't know what's going to be going on with Mike Evans. Is Evans playing or not? But Mosley towards ACL back four of the uh, Lions. There's a little bit more injury going on than people realize. Off historically has struggled outside. Bucks have played good. I mean, you look at what they've done. They, that game against the Eagles was a lot closer. There were some Mike Evans drops. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. And McVeigh did wonders. I mean, I was reading the story last night where McVeigh basically told Baker, "Hey, this is why you suck." He, and he was like, "Boom!" He's like, "This is why you suck. This is why you're in the position." And Baker said that was pretty important for him because he's never been coached like that before. No one told him this, and he said. 
being there with McVeigh kind of opened up his eyes and we've kind of love that this year, you know, he's, he's like not forcing throws. He's taking better care of the ball. So I like uh, anything over three. Uh, if it dips below three, I wouldn't do it, but three or higher, I'd be on the bucks. I got me three and a half. Yeah. I think the bucks are the right side in here. And I like the lions a lot and they've been playing really well and they've been doing a fantastic job and they could be undefeated this year, but feels like a good spot for the bucks at home getting more than the three lions are again, kind of getting a lot of that buzz right now. As we move to the Eagles and the jets jets are a seven point home dog in here. Eric Eagles are five and zero, oh, but kind of nondescript five and zero. Oh. they dominated the second half time of possession against the Rams though. And they were really good on third down. The jets beat the Broncos last week. Wilson struggled. They did run all over them. Do you have a play in here? Jets Eagles. Big number, but it's just a pure pass for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I I just don't. I don't trust the Jets to do anything, but the Jets' defensive stock is stop is top notch, and we kind of saw from the Eagles. It's pretty simple what they're going to do when they get a lead in the second half. They're just going to sit and run the ball. So big numbers. I get against a good defense. I'm just going to pass. I was also passing this one with you as we head to the final of the Sunday after or Sunday night Sunday or final of the uh, Sunday afternoon games was the Eagles and the Jets Sunday night football Giants and the Bills. So the Bills are a 14 and a half point favorite here against the Giants. Do we know the status of Daniel Jones? Is it going to be Tyrod Taylor? It's up to 14 and a half. So that kind of leads Tyrod Taylor. Personally, I like this in at 14. Um, It just comes back to the thing. You know, they're in England last week, and there's been 11 times where the team that has been in England the week before is trailing in the fourth quarter. There has yet to be a game in the fourth quarter where that team isn't trailing. This is a really big number. Uh, Andrew Thomas is going to come back. He's going to help that offensive line. Saquon Barkley should be back. Giants should be getting some pieces back. And we saw how much the Bills struggled defending the run when Matt Milano went out. I think if Dable's as smart as everyone thinks he is, he's just going to turn around and say, hey, you know what? We're just going to run the ball. We're going to run line. And make the bill stop it. So I'll take the, um, I'll take the, uh, I'm speaking big the number, Giants. the 14. Yeah. yeah. 14, 14, 14 and a half. Plus 14. Yeah. That's a big, big yeah. number. I agree. I mean, I'm not laying it with the bills, uh, even coming off their loss last week. It just feels like way, way too big of a number as we move to Monday night football. Remember folks, we will go in depth on Sunday with all the games, 11 o'clock AM Eastern time. Join us right here on Twitter. Uh, it's me, Gino B or, uh, e top to one follow Eric right there, or you can check out um, also on YouTube. If you subscribe to our YouTube channels, we'll also be with you on Friday at six o'clock PM Eastern time at DRF Sportsbook on Twitter and on their YouTube. And we'll give out some best bets for college football. And we'll dive into a few of our best bets for the week. So for Monday night, Eric, um, I like the chargers in this spot. You've got Dallas on the short week. You've got the chargers coming off a bye, And here's what's crazy. Dallas played in San Francisco in California last week on Sunday night. They didn't just stay in California. They flew all the way back to Dallas and then flying back again for Monday. I mean, you could have stayed in California for a few days. It's not a bad place to stay. You couldn't have found somewhere to hang out for a few days instead of flying back and forth. I just think that's weird. So while they're going back and forth after they just got beat up by the 49ers, the Chargers have been on a bye. And they're just sitting and waiting. And they're going to be like a, a, a two to three point dog in here at home. I honestly think the chargers might be even a better 
team, I think they're going to be healthier now. They're probably going to get Bosa and some of those defensive pieces back. I feel like it's a really good spot for the Chargers. I just kind of feel that um, the Cowboys are missing Kellen Moore, and Kellen Moore's there. He's pushing the ball down little field. Dak like the Prescott's revenge game looking, too, right? Yep. Dak Prescott's looked a little p- pedestrian this year. I, I think they have a coaching advantage with the coaches in the Chargers room. I definitely like the Chargers. I'm just sitting at it, though. I mean, I'll probably be on them at two and a half. I'm hoping that somehow it gets to a three, though. Eric, buddy, thank you so much for going a little rapid fire this week on this show. We were able to get in all of the uh, the game previews for everyone. Remember, we'll be with you on Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time on DRF Sportsbook, the winning ticket. And then Sunday, we'll go over all the games, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to give Eric a follow on Twitter at etoff 21 And you can check out all of his stuff at etoff 21 sports Thanks so much, buddy. Hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Best of luck. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks, and uh, plenty more to come if you're listening on the podcast. Time to talk some horse racing. Let's go Woodbine Friday. Let's talk about that early pick five. It starts in race number two. Remember, you can play for just a 20-cent-based wager, and every Thursday and Friday, they have a $50,000 guaranteed early pick five pool. Always starts in race two. Every Saturday and Sunday, that pool bumps up to $100,000 guarantee. Still starting in race number two. So in the second, we have Maiden $10,000 claimers, six furlongs on the synthetic. I thought the five was interesting in here, Smoke and Holiday. This horse has had some sneaky trips recently. She can, uh, He can pass horses. He fits really well at this level with those last three races at the level. Just wide trips, kind of in between. I feel like this should be a spot where he can kind of sit back a little bit and make one late run with a couple speeds to run down. I like the five, Smoke and Holiday. The four makes no sense, makes a lot of sense to me in here with that big speed. I think he is the one they'll have to catch, and he does get to cut back in here. You have Serenaded C on the outside. Feels like this is the horse to beat. So for me, those three, I'll go five, four, nine to kick off that early pick five. I don't like doing it, but in race number three, I'm just going to have a chalky single in here. I'll go to the five yoga. I just don't know who is going to push her in here. She feels like the horse to catch. She debuted on the turf, but she's been training on the synthetic. It won't be anything that's new to her. I think yoga is the horse to catch and beat in here. So I'm just going to single the five yoga in race number three at Woodbine. Moving to race number four. We'll spread around a little bit here. I thought this was a difficult race. The number three, Wicked Mia, fits really well in this spot. Two starts back, just completely missed the break. But this is a horse who's solid on both the synthetic and the turf. The four catchy name is Sharp right now, is in good form, trying to win three in a row. The number nine, probably the horse to beat, Loaded Vixen, getting some class relief really fast from out there. And then a couple of price horses that I think are maybe a little bit intriguing. You've got the number two, Charlotte Silver, who's a horse who's in pretty good form. Two starts back, you know, just toss the turf race. And you're left with, you know, a nice synthetic win, two, three back, a good win on the dirt at Fort Erie, and a horse who has some versatility and can be picking up some pieces late. The two is going to be in the mix for me as well. Um, Both the one and the eight, 
question marks for sure three, four, nine, and two, and probably including the one and the eight maybe um, on some of the bigger tickets. Moving to race number five, five furlongs on the turf course. There, I thought the four fits really well. Sooner Lunar, my angle for this race, I'm throwing out Silent Reserve, four to five on the morning line. He towers over this field in like class and in speed figures. But as far as the pace of this race, he's the fastest. But wow, there is a lot of other early speed. There are a couple others in here who really could push him and make it difficult for him. So I'm just going to chuck him right out. I'm going to use, and I'm thinking that if he gets beat, it's because they went too fast early. So I'm going to use some of the other horses that should close. Like the four, Sooner Lunar. The seven, Gatling Gun. The one, Warp Ride, who's really versatile. And then the other horse who's pretty quick is the three. He's fully loaded. I think he may be able to just be in the mix. And since he's cutting back from six and six and a half and seven, he just might be fit enough to have some more late energy and to have some more late fitness in here. I'm going to use four, seven, one, and three in race number five at Woodbine on Friday the 13th. Ooh, as we move to race number six, closing out that pick five. I thought the one JMR Speedy Escape just put a line right through. This horse ducked in at the gap, had no chance last time out, and play this horse off of the form prior to that. The five lobby bar is the one to beat, third start off the bench. And then the nine musical stride really quick from outside might be able to run away and hide. We'll use one, five, and nine in race number six on Friday at Woodbine. That's the closeout leg to the pick. Five sequence there that early pick five you can play for just a 20 cent based wager and there is a $50,000 guarantee on Friday so we move from Friday Woodbine to Friday and Saturday best bets for Keeneland we're going to give you a bunch of horses you could use in your stable duel lineups Barry Spears joins me to talk about stable duel and some big racing this weekend on Friday Saturday at Keeneland the stable duel app and play today well it's time for a little edition of this week in stable duel we got a quick hitter one coming up with gino bacola and the man barry spears to talk a little keeneland friday and saturday barry buddy how you doing this week hanging in there it's another end to a great week keeneland is in the mix and we are ready to fire well, we are going to talk about some of our best bets for Friday and for Saturday. Remember, you are in the no chalk zone. We're going to do our best to give you some value and some uh, horses that are spot plays for us throughout the card. And these are going to be great horses for you to use in your stable duel lineups because Keeneland and stable duel partners, you're going to always see part. Uh, you're going to see contests every time there's racing at Keeneland from stable duel and on Friday. They have a $5 top 10 game. They also have a $30 game available. So a couple different options for you. There will be big games coming on Saturday. 
Barry and I are going to dive into these daily racing form past performances and see if we can help you out, lead you to a few winners and help make building your lineup a little bit easier. Remember stable duel. These are daily horse racing contests. You can play. Some of them are actually for free where you can play for cash prizes, but others you'll pay your entry fee. You download the app for free and then you can win large amounts of money. And the way you build your lineup, it's kind of fun. It's basically like if you're a, a fan or you're familiar with daily fantasy and the salary cap format. So you're not able to just pick chalk in every single race. We're going to make you some money on Friday at Keeneland. Barry is going to start in race number two. We look at the DRF past performances. That's the place to go. Anytime you need help researching the races, uh, finding any extra information. Where are we going to start in the second, my friend? Yeah, this is a nice uh, maiden going six furlongs maiden claimer. Uh, 50,000 going six furlongs on the main track. So some nice horses in this race. Um, you know, not much on the experience end of things. Uh, you know, there's a few horses with a couple of races. In fact, the horse that I picked does have a race and it's number seven, Kobe W. I, I know you like that. I, I, yep, I do. And I thought you were going to this horse actually, when you started talking, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how I, my style, and this is a makeover package special. You know, uh, going from turf to dirt, cutting back in distance from a mile to six furlongs, and getting blinkers. So it's it's the whole and and a rider change. Yep, going to Relu, cut so, back a lot, so much for the drop, right? Like so many little things. I think about you whenever I see all of these things happening for that makeover package. Good, I'm I'm glad because that this is one of my favorite angles, uh, especially in maiden races where a horse just completely does something different than what they were doing especially second time out um, always is a good formula for whatever reason. And this one fits the bill. Didn't run all that bad despite what the line mate look like. I don't really think this horse wanted any part of the turf. They just got this horse on the track. Now this is more appropriate spot, even better money makes a lot more sense. I, I love that workout on September 23rd seals the deal for me. Let's go eight to cool. one. Kobe W, the blinkers coming on. I like this one quite a bit for Doug O'Neill and the Delmar group. This one will only cost you $3,000 in your stable dual lineup if you're building your lineup because at that 8-1 to one price, you're paying off the morning line. Even if this horse gets bet down a little bit, you've got it locked in at 8-1. to one. But I think this is a horse that's a nice play at like anything around 5-1 to one or over. Feels oh, like yeah. very fair you know, in, in that mix. So Kobe W, the first for Barry. As I move to race number five for my next play, Barry and I will both take a look at race number seven for one of our plays on Friday. So this fifth race is going to be a mile and an eighth on the turf. I'm going to go to the outside and I'm going to look at the number 11 here, equal protection, who's six to one on the morning line. So his first two starts, he actually faced good company uh, in litigate and he was behind Kings Barnes and both of those races were on the dirt following that. He, he was just a grass horse. Like he improved a ton when he stepped on the grass in his third start. He actually ran really well behind scramble and operation torch. He had legitimate trouble that day. He came back again on April the 13th, going a mile on the turf ran really well. He was only beaten a half of a length when he finished fourth that day. He had legitimate trouble again that day, but he didn't run poorly. June the second at Belmont, he went a little longer, a mile and three ace. He was just a good second that day. Like, no knocks on that effort whatsoever. Really nice second. 
Then he was off for a few months. He came into the Maker Barn for the first time. And on September the 10th at Kentucky, he was inside. He was about five lengths off. He angled out at the top of the lane. He closed very well to finish third. And I think he'll be even a little bit sharper now with that race under him. Like he doesn't even have to really improve off of his races. Like he just needs to kind of get the right trip in here to get the better of this field. He's right in the mix with a lot of the others, like smart uncles, the horse to beat, but he doesn't like horrify this horse based on speed figures at all, you know? Um, And neither does a horse like Fayette spirit, who is probably going to be a major player. So I think it's a good spot for equal protection in here. Second start back off the short little break, second start for maker. I think he fits well here, Barry. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I was thinking that this horse was probably going to get bet down. And one of the things that I like and, and, you know, anybody that's, that's followed us doing our, our live streams like this knows that I like horses when they come off the bench, you know, even if it's a substantial kind of layoff, not like a whole year, maybe three, four months when they come back running, it's always a good sign that yep. they, they, they have some improvement in them. Equal protection. First play for me on Friday, six to one on the morning line. So that will only cost you 5,000 in your stable dual lineup. That is right on par with what you need when you're building your lineup. So we will both now move to race number seven for a, a play. Barry, talk to us about who you like in this seventh race. Yeah, the seventh race is is, is a wild event. It, it's just these kind of hard-knocking allowance types in this mile and the 16th allowance race for 140000 I mean, that's Ooh. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's stakes, that's stakes level. Um, going a mile and 16th on the turf. You know, this this race looks on paper like it's going to be kind of heat up up front you know the pace is it looks to be fast the credit who i think might be the favorite um will have to go um from the rail and there's a lot of other speed in here i mean you would want to think that fuerte ventura will go to the lead or try to or be forwardly play same thing with hosier even though you know his last win on the turf at, at ellis he kind of came off the pace, um, but I think he likes to be closer up most of the time. Uh, the five, who's a, who's three to one on the line, high distinction, has some early zip. The outside horses, King Vega, another horse that should take some money, has some zip. Ocean Atlantique, another one, has some speed early. So getting all these horses with some early speed um, makes me think that a horse that can get position and keep it should be okay here. And I think we have that in injunction. Oh, we're on the same one. And we're for the same sort of reasons. Yeah. Uh, I got- you know, I, I, I think this horse needed his last race. He hadn't been out. Um, he was out November 22nd, which I think is Thanksgiving, right? It might yep. have been. Um, ran in the Clark that day. Didn't run all that bad. Just not that caliber of horse. Switches to the turf off the bench August 31st at Kentucky Downs. Ran okay. Kind of had to angle out and wide and try to mm-hmm. go around people. And he that wasn't yeah. a good move. And he was at, chasing the lone speed right. too it, that day. Yes. Wolfie, Wolfie likes to go to the lead and, and kind of just does his thing while he's out there winging it. Getting um, the jump. Didn't get a great trip and, and didn't get a, you know, a bad speed figure either, either in the, in the form or the thoroughgraphs. But um, I think this one is, is this, this is what they're, they're looking to do here. 
um, especially knowing now this horse ran on the turf first time. This is a way better spot, and I think this one gets the run of the race. I mean, he's really, like, you go through his entire career, this horse hasn't done very much wrong. No. Honestly, he's, he's been, been very in the money good. in 10 of his 14 starts. The few times when they may have just stepped him up, like, in a little bit too tough, right? The Gulfstream Park Mile, he hooked Speaker's Corner, Fearless, and endorsed when those horses were sharp and really good at that time. And that was his first start off, off of a layoff. Following that, he runs a few really good races. His fourth at, at Churchill isn't even that bad behind like Candy Tycoon there. Um, then a fifth before he goes to the bench in the grade one Clark. Mm. Some legitimate excuses for some of the la- like less than good efforts. He came back. That was only his second turf start too. Like he's got some upside with making just his third start on the grass. And he seems like now that he's a little bit older, he's, I think his tactics are more like we want, right? He used to be a lot faster. Now he's more patient. I think he's more willing to sit. So let's get it. We got a law professor lock with injunction, baby. Let's do it. The number 11. You know, he's been keeping good company too. That's the other thing. Three technique has, has been okay. He was, he was actually hot at the time that he got beat by him. Candy tycoon. The and same he beat, thing. He, he ran the hot horse power. Right. You know what I mean? Like in last samurai in this race. And then yeah, look he, at West will power. No few who sad, sad about West will power, man. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of good horses this year have had some, some really sad Issues. luck. Yeah, I know. Man. Yeah. Um. So injunction 10 to one on the morning line will only cost you a thousand to use in your stable dual lineups. As uh Barry and I come together. On injunction, I have one more Barry. My play is in the ninth, and yours is in the tenth. So I'm gonna go to race number nine first. I'll give you my third and final for Friday, and then Barry will close us out. He's bailout Barry always. He's closing us out <laughs> in uh, in race number ten in the Sycamore, the Grade Three Sycamore. I'm gonna go. I'm not even gonna say it, but whenever I see this horse, it reminds me of uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Sean Connery on uh, <laughs> on Saturday Night Live the every greatest. time, every time he uh, uh, therapist for six hundred Trebek. We're all trained for <laughs> every time, you know. But um, therapist here, this is a Grade One winner. Two starts back, um, therapist won the United Nations. Two back, and the thing with therapist, he just needs a little bit of pace to run at. That's what you know with him. Last time out. M- that day at Kentucky and like for about two days, nobody was passing any horses at all, at all. It was all front end speed winning and get smoking just went wire to wire and nobody passed. And I think we can just put a line right through that race. And we can see that this is a horse who's certainly capable of winning a race just like this going this trip. And I think he's a fair price because kind of the clunker last time out and because he was a former claimer, but it doesn't bother me with maker maker does this all the time, stepping horses up from lower levels in particular, Barry, I think the place where it it's okay to do is in these long distance turf races, because there's not much of a division for these distance horses like this. You don't have that many of these long, long races. So in order to be competitive in races like this, you don't really have to be that great. You can kind of be sharp, have a cagey barn who just knows where to place you. I think that's the case. And I feel like therapist is a pretty good fit in here. I think he's going to get a nice trip because looking at the way the race shapes up, even for a mile and a half distance race like this, I feel like there will be 
a few horses that want to be forwardly placed. Like Tawny Port feels like that'll be his best trip in here. I think uh, Cellist is going to want to be close. You know, Channel Maker always wants to go. He just wants to be forward. And uh, towards the outside, I think there was one or two more that was going to push it. Even from the way outside, we could see uh, one of these horses just having to show a little speed. But I thought at least three of them, oh, Red One was probably the other one who I thought was going to be pretty close up in, uh, in tactical. So maybe three or four horses all getting position. I think it sets up well for, I'll take Therapist for uh, <laughs> 600. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Maker has a good hand there between Therapist and the 10 Red Run. Absolutely. Um, I, I think he's holding a good hand because they, they're almost doing a similar thing. He, he claimed them both for 50000 at one point, and now they're in stakes company. So that's his thing. And look who he's faced. This horse is faced like Warrant and Next and Charge It. Some really sharp horses and some really nice ones. And they kind of complement each other's running styles, too. That's why I wouldn't be shocked to see Red Run even run more. One, two. Yeah, even more aggressive. And then the other one can kind of pick up the pieces there. So uh, I like the four a little bit. Barry also mentioned that the, the 10 is live here if you wanted to give uh, the other maker a possible look in some exotics close us out on friday my friend let us know who are you looking at in race number 10 yeah we're gonna go to number four herd immunity in this nice closeout event of uh inexpensive thoroughbreds twenty thousand dollar claimers going six and a half on the main track but uh i i think herd immunity falls into a great trip here there, there's enough speed to put this horse right behind it and I, I really there's there, I, I really can't see anybody else winning this race, to be honest with you. Um, herd immunity should be right around, you know, kind of stalking the pace. If you look at his last race, he was far back, farther than usual. And I think that was because of the layoff. I think he needed the race. He's going to probably be more forwardly placed this time and get a way better trip. I mean, it sets up for him to get a perfect trip. Herd immunity is five to one on the morning line, and that one will cost you six thousand in your stable dual lineup. So plenty of help for you for Friday as we turn the page to Saturday with the QE2 Cup on Saturday as the main feature at Keeneland. Barry and I will pull up the Saturday past performances here. And remember, DRF, that's always the place to be when you're looking for those past performances. They actually just released the uh Breeders' Cup. Uh, pre-entry packages they just came out now so if you want you can save a little money um with those if you purchase them early and you can also uh um get even more features they also have the breeders cup section available right now on drf.com where you there's like notes and articles and everything to keep everybody updated over the next uh what month not even a month now you know less than uh less than five four weeks so pretty cool as we are getting there Barry, I'm going to go races three, five, and nine. You're going to go races five and eight for Keeneland Saturday. So I'll get us started on the Saturday card with Keeneland's third race. This one is a mile and a 16th on the main track. I think there's going to be a heavy favorite in here that just is probably going to be a bit over bet. That's why I attack this race. A light line won really impressively, but it was an easy trip at Indiana Grand. He earned a big number. He might be very, very nice. I just need to see a little bit more before taking this horse at four to five. I think there's a really quality horse right next door to him that's six to one. A stretch ride, won his debut sprinting. I actually think he's faster. You know, if you just compare the races that these two are coming out of, stretch ride was right on the lead at the half mile going 40 sub 46 and light line 
is going 49 and change. You know, I, I think they're totally different type horses. And I'm not saying that stretch ride is just a much better horse, but I think he's faster right now. And I think he's going to be going a little bit faster than what light line just went last time. And that may make this horse have to work a little. Um, I also like the fact that stretch ride sat nicely. He kind of got shuffled back a little bit. He, he sort of, it was funny. He looked like he was done. He got kind of crossed over on and it looked like he was done, but then she comes on again. So that means to me going longer should be better for her. And she's got this natural speed already. Plus she can sit. I think there are a couple of real positives here for the number five stretch ride six to one on the morning line only cost you 5,000 in your stable dual lineup. And sometimes yeah, that's a strange line. It's, it's weird. You, you hardly ever see a horse like lose crown like that. And then end uh-huh. up coming back and winning. He was, you know, Usually that means that the horse A has talent and, and B just needs to put it all together. And kind of figuring it out. Right. Yeah. And maybe the six was like a little short and he can really like towards the end of this race was really when he started stretching those legs. I uh, hope that is the case for stretch ride in the third on Saturday at Keeneland. Barry will head right over to race number five. Talk to us about this one. Barry, we're going to go a uh, mile and an eighth on the turf, I believe. Yes, mile and eighth maidens, hundred thousand dollar purse, which is a stake race. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> this is a this is a nice race. Um, good part about it is a lot of these horses are kind of coming out of the same race. There's there's quite a few coming out of the same race. Uh, the September seventh race at Kentucky Downs going a mile and five sixteenths. Um, my pick is the ten Southampton Dock. Uh, I think this horse just didn't really enjoy Kentucky Downs. I mentioned this before that that whole meet, the inside was sort of the best place to be. This horse was out in the, well, we're in the 10 saddlecloth, but in the nine post position. And this horse kind of made a move. And then when they go up the hill, like, towards the finish is is sort of uphill mm-hmm. it looks like the horse kind of lost his action trying to because some try, horses trying he was trying like, yeah the the up and the down right it's just like any different athlete right some would be better running hills and elevation others wouldn't be like tennis players on clay versus grass all sorts of things like that exactly and it looked like he kind of struggled running uphill and i think you know i think getting to a quote-unquote traditional kind of <laughs> Uh, course like they have at Keeneland will do this horse a lot of good. I mean, you look at that race on June 8th, that horse ran a bang up race um, off the bench at Indiana uh, Horseshoe, Indianapolis, then got a little bad luck. Yeah. Back to back races off right. the turf, off the turf. And, and that's not and didn't even run poorly in those didn't, races. Yeah, honestly, ran pretty good at, at decent prices, too. And didn't it's like get... at Saratoga, you had no choice. You had to stay in because you knew they were just going to keep raining. You know what I right. mean? Like, exactly. It just kept you, were, you were never going to find a spot this year <laughs> up at Saratoga and, and then got back to the turf on uh, Kentucky Downs and ran really good. And I think the, the cutback might be OK, too. So, you know, Animal Fries is going to set the table here. Um, but man, I, I think this horse has a great chance to win. This is a definite pick four, pick five used and a stable dual player for Barry. I've got a big price also, uh, in the number eight King secret, who's a horse who's just had some bad luck, man. If you look at her running lines, she's had legitimate trouble in start number one, 
in start number two. She was favored and had a brutal trip in a race that's come back very live. So then they just gave her some time off, you know, because those first couple starts were so tough on her, I'm sure, right? Give her some time off. She comes back at Saratoga in July and runs a great race to finish third in a big field. Also, look at all of her races have been in big fields too. It's not like she's had the mercy or the the luck of like a small field here and there. And then last time out, September the 9th, she wasn't going to win that race. They're the top two horses had separated, but she was in with the grouping of another like st- a stack of horses and things got really tight for her down on the inside. And that cost her at least a few spots. Like at the very least, she's in the four or five, like, you know, finishing in that position. And that running line looks a lot better. And now she's going to go third off the bench. She's going to get the blinkers on, which she really needs because I think she may have been kind of been one of those that's her own worst enemy too. She kind of gets herself into some trouble. It feels like a spot for her now third off the bench with the blinkers coming on where she should show herself, you know, if she's got a good effort in there and if she can stay out of some trouble. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a, this is definitely a race to kind of take shots like that. Yeah. Right. Because I, the favorites don't look all that that enticing and you know, this could go a lot of different directions. Um, Even a horse like Bolt Doro, or Boltoro um, was in that same race that we talked about and, and finished mm-hmm. up strong. The only reason I didn't use that one, I, I think that horse is just going to get lost way too far back. Yeah, I agree. Just not enough early speed to stay in, in striking range here. So there's a look at race number five. Barry and I both have one more for you for Saturday. Barry will go to the eighth and then I'll talk about the QE2. Set us up for race number eight, my friend. I believe this one is uh, six and a half on the dirt. Yes, full field. Six and a half on the dirt. Allowance race. This is this is a really good race. This is definitely one you, you'll want to check out. Um, my pick is number five, Dear Lady. Um, this horse is was really good um, up until February 11th of this year. So, you know, the two-year-old form was, was okay. You know, one second time out. Then went to an optional claimer, 80,000. Ran well. Just didn't win. Lost to Toehead, who who's a decent horse. Um, then stepped up a little bit into a hundred thousand dollar claimer and ran a bang up race at, as the favorite. Just missed. Then laid off till July. Did kind of came back running. Sort of looked like you know she needed that race. And that's and a good they, race too. Undervalued asset was that stakes horse that we saw down at Gulfstream. You know, yes. multiple graded stakes placed. And, and, and is a decent horse. And this horse wasn't too far behind it. And that's a nice run coming off the bench for, you know, what shake a, off the rust. Right. Exactly. Four or five month layoff. They do their thing, but the, the turf effort, I don't get, I guess they wanted to, to, to get a race into this horse, they take a swing or something, but like, cause that's where we would have played her on the dirt. Right. right. Last time. Right. Like, but now at, but what I like is that, it dirties kind of, up the form. It does. You know? It'll build the price in. Instead of six, she's probably 10. And what's nice is it gives her a little bit of fitness, even more cutting back to six and a half and for your third start off the bench. So exactly. That's exactly where I was going with it. Then you see the workout patterns. You know, the, the last two works were very, very good. Very, very sharp. This horse is sitting on a good effort. And I think that's what we're going to get. Dear lady, 10 to 1 on the morning line will only cost you 1,000 in your stable dual lineups on Saturday. A really good feature race of the grade one Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup. 
where you'll have a, a couple nice horses shipping in. You have a horse like Elusive Princess who won the Saratoga Oaks after having shipped in. Uh, you'll see Maj, who is a grade one, group one winner. You've got just some quality horses in here. I actually you know, like Lindy. I, Go ahead. I, I looked at this race and I thought it, I was looking at like, you know, PPs for Royal Ascot. I was going to say, it looked different, <laughs> right? Like, whoa. Everybody, all these foreign horses. Like, legitimate ones, too, shipping in. Good You've ones. got the yeah. eight, Alonda Queen. You've got the seven, Sounds of Heaven. These horses have legitimate form. I like Lindy. I think Lindy makes a lot of sense. She won the first few starts of her career, and then she ran into Blue Rose Sen for three straight races. Mm. And in the race in Chantilly, she went a mile and five sixteenths. So we can just put a line through that and say that was just a little too far too for far, her there. Yeah. And what I like is she came over here already and has the the local race, right, at Kentucky to kind of get that first race in the U.S. and to get that first off the bench, shake a little of the rust off. It was just a four-horse field. She just sat third, and it was like a perfect prep race. Easy as can be to set you up for what's going to be a more difficult, challenging race here. And I like her running style. I think she'll be able to kind of get the jump on some of these deeper closers in here. So already benefit of the race uh, here in the U.S., already the benefit of you know, some tactical speed ahead of some of the deeper closers. I think she can get a really nice trip in here at 6-1. to one. I like Lindy, who would only cost you 5000 in your stable dual lineup. Really quality. QE2, huh? Yeah, you're right, oh, Barry. Oh, man, it's great. I, I mean, look at those, those Euro horses. And who they of them. and these are not like oh they got beat by twenty lengths in top no, four right? These are they're winning third in the coronation behind Tahira. Like you're talking about horses who are group stakes placed, not far behind in legitimate races. A strong, strong renewal of the Grade One QE2 Challenge Cup, and a strong renewal of this week in Stable Duel. We had a quick one, but still all that great information for you. Don't forget to head to StableDuel.com. You can download the apps anywhere you get your apps free to download. All you have to do is pay the entries for the contest that you want to get involved in. Barry and I have been hanging out on um, most of these weeks where we're previewing big weekend races. Uh, we missed last week. I was in Texas eating some Waffle <laughs> House, hanging out. But uh, like always, whenever I call and I give the bat signal, Barry comes out and he's ready to rock and roll, my friend. Thank you for being prepared and awesome as always. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, just anything other than uh, going in circles? Big Mondays with Chuck? Uh, yep, Big Mondays with Chuck. We do a little bit of Game of Silks action uh, on our spaces. But yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That's where you can find us. And we're going to have fun this weekend making some money. We're going to do that. Make sure to hang out with Barry. Uh, and uh, check him out on social media. Always loves going back and forth, as do I. Thanks so much, folks, for hanging out with us today. Good luck on Friday and on Saturday out at Keeneland. As we say goodbye, we say hello to Joey Cleveland and this week in Stable Duel. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out. Now, if you are looking for some Saturday plays from Woodbine and from Santa Anita, come follow me on Twitter. Check out social media. It's me, Gino B. I'll have posts there for Saturday racing for Santa Anita, for Saturday racing for Woodbine if you need help with those. Let's shift on over and finish up this episode 
Talking a little wrestling this week in wrestling. We had a fun Tuesday night. It was the Tuesday Night Wars. We were coming off of the fast lane. AEW has Adam Copeland Edge over there. Tony Khan's taking shots all over the place. Chad Cooper and I discuss it all here on this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! We were able to record this week in wrestling a little early this week on Wednesday because there was a special Tuesday night, a big Tuesday night in the world of wrestling. It was like the old Monday Night Wars where we had uh, NXT starting to to bring in some of the heavy hitters. AEW was countering. I actually heard that AEW was trying to make the biggest splash by securing the rights to Chad Cooper. They know that Chad, (laughs) that would have been like one of the all times if AEW could ever swing Chad Cooper over there. That would be a huge boon for them, but they didn't have a game changer. Yeah, that would be a game changer. Didn't have enough money to get Coop over there. Uh, We'll see maybe years, years down the line, but Koopaloop, my friend, uh, it was, it was a fun week for us wrestling fans with just the buildup to this Tuesday night where. It came out of nowhere, really. Like, it was just um, a night where, because I think of the baseball playoffs, um, AEW was bumped. And we're going to see that starting to happen now with AEW because they're on TBS and TNT with baseball playoffs and then with the NBA starting. So they will have some times where they get bumped around a little bit. But uh, on the on the other side, WWE, they've been actually starting to make NXT a bigger deal and and incorporate it more into the main roster. I mean, even before they made this announcement uh, the other night and they had John Cena and The Undertaker and everybody on there, they have recently had Becky Lynch as a women's champion. They've had a lot of main roster stars go down there and wrestle matches. We saw Seth Rollins have a match not long ago. We've seen Baron Corbin recently up. like hanging out down there. Dominic's been the North American champ. Uh, Natalia went down there. Dana Brooke. So there have been a lot. It wasn't just out of nowhere to have some main roster stars on NXT, but they were really packing it this week. It was it was fun for us to kind of kick back and watch everything. Man, who would have ever thought that you would see the likes of not only The Undertaker, which we got to see the American badass version of The Undertaker, which honestly was... Look, I know The Undertaker is The Undertaker, and it's amazing to hear the the dong and the slow walk. But I did kind of get into the American badass gimmick for a while. I did. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, it but, was it was just a change. It was needed. You know sure, what I mean? Like, sure. everybody needs a change up. And it was good, and it fit this when he called for the badass, and you have the, that version come down. And uh, I, I I thought it was, it was really good. Let's start – you know, here, so yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk more about Tuesday night since we're coming right off of it. And we'll talk about what happened with NXT and then we'll talk about AEW. So it, this ended up being like leading into Tuesday. It was like, um, you know, uh, when you're trying to, you know, sell yourself to two new companies and then they just start throwing things at you, you know, or it's like when you're like uh, you're 
ex is trying to get you to come back with them. And they're like, please, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. Like we were sort of getting that from both of these companies. The difference uh, was, like I said, AEW was on a different night. So they were, you know, they were a little out of place. NXT was a little more at home and they had been incorporating main roster stars recently. And I think even though you didn't have John Cena wrestling a match or the undertaker wrestling a match and, and in some instances it looked like the undertaker gets, you know, a leg up on Braun breaker. I think the fact that all of the stars were interacting with NXT NXT roster players right now, I think it just did really great things for like all of these people that were in the ring. I come out of last night thinking like it was good for Carmelo. It was good for Braun breaker. It was good for, um, the, uh, Lola was someone who who had a match, but she got a lot of eyeballs on her last night, and a lot. I hear a lot of people talking about her now as someone that they're really interested in. It really shined a light on the women overall, who I think are doing a great job. And you put LA Knight in there, and it elevates Dragon off a little bit. He's standing in the ring also with Cody. Like I thought, it did good for a lot of the NXT stars. And while we yeah, we had focus on some main roster folks. I, I thought it was a good combination and a good mixture. Oh, yeah. It was just uh, the whole thing, I think, heading into it. You know, we've heard the rumors for a while. And then it seems like every dirt sheet wants to say, well, we heard Vince was at gorilla position with that mustache last night. Well, we heard this guy hasn't been used in three or four weeks because this guy or this girl wasn't used and whatever it is. I think we finally know now it's over. You know, we we talked, what, a couple of weeks ago, you and I, it seems like it's been forever. That's on me. You went off and uh, were gallivanting. I was in Texas. I was laid up with kidney stones. I was on the IR. Uh, there was a couple of times I was on the, uh, the, the, tr- uh, the trading block and I had to go underground. My agent said, just go underground. Gino is <laughs> being ugly to you about your horse selections <laughs> on PVG. All this stuff. So I went underground. So it seems like forever, right? So, no, um, we were... A couple of weeks ago, this this we were going into the first ever pay-per-views, which they're not called pay-per-view. They're PLE now, right, on the Peacock app, without the Binkmans being sole owners yeah. of the company. And it just seems like now, heading into that, the fast lane card, the way it was. And usually, we don't think much of these type of PLE slash pay-per-views, right? It's kind of like, eh, this one, remember uh, Blood and Guts or Bad Blood? And you're like, eh, you know, WWE, run it back. Or all these type of events that you don't think are really going to be good, they have changed over the recent years. And now in this Triple H era and the in the new ownership era, era you knew this pay-per-view was going to be really, really special, and it had to be really special. And I almost gave it a hundred. As we go through it, I'll tell you why I didn't give it a hundred. But it was so well done. It was so coordinated. The matches were in great shape and placed perfectly. Fastlane did its job, and then some. Yeah, I mean, Vince McMahon is not in charge anymore. I mean, he obviously can. I'm sure have a say here and there or, you know, give Triple H some of his thoughts, but the report were 99.9%. It stops with Triple H. And I mean, you can just see like Johnny Gargano is back on raw. 
you know, Tegan Knox is out there. You're seeing like Gable have these sustained pushes. You're seeing LA Knight, who Vince didn't get along with, continue to be pushed like a main, main player. Like if we're watching it, we can see it's blatant with our eyes that, you know, Triple H is being consistent with the the booking, the way things are going. And overall, the product's doing really well. This was a good Tuesday night for WWE. They started out with Cody Rhodes coming for the first time on NXT. He has an announcement to make. He talks about a couple tournaments coming up, the NXT Men's Breakout Tournament, and then the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic t- uh, Tournament coming soon. Remember, Cody and Jay are your tag team champions now. They just won uh, over the weekend. and. Chad, kind of combining a little bit of everything here, they win, and they were the opening match on Fastlane. And so Cody and Jay are your new tag team champions. They beat the Judgment Day. After that, they go out and start having a few drinks in the bus because they still got a couple hours left on the pay-per-view to watch. And then they have to do the, uh, the press conference afterwards. And when these guys come out, it was so funny. And it wasn't like... They weren't ang- they were in a great mood. It was it was really funny. It was like two guys that were just excited to win and they were laughing with each other and they were giggling and they it was one of the funnier things to follow along on social media with. Um so Cody Rhodes is a current tag team champion with Jay. They and what's good about this, so many stories to tell with this, with the bloodline, with the judgment day, with all these different factors, and uh Seeing Cody on NXT was very cool. We got Dragonoff out in the ring with him. It led to Dragonoff and Dominic Mysterio, and then it led to Cody being the uh, the general manager throughout the night and having a few interactions with folks. Like really good use of Cody, I thought. Oh yeah, um, you called this a while back, Dragonoff. Is that dude a star or what? Man, I mean literally. I mean seriously, is that dude a star or what? And he's like a a, a kind of a tweener too. He can be a heel. He can be a badass on the on the 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 face side of things. I, I just this sets up so many. He's got to be the one that beats Gunther, right? Oh, not, for sure. For because sure. they've Good got call. that history, like, and he can be the one that comes up, and then you have him right away. Because man, he I, I I love him. He's got one of those guys that's on my short list of like I could see him main eventing WrestleMania in a few years. I really could. Like I think he is oh, yeah. on that level. And uh, it was really nice to see them all in the ring together. Uh, we got Roxanne Perez making her entrance. And then uh, Shotzi joined for commentary. Shotzi's going to be hosting Halloween Havoc coming up in uh, a few weeks. And we got Asuka versus Roxanne Perez. It wasn't as long as I thought, but it was it was like a good sprint. They went about eight minutes. Yeah. and You could tell that they both were, hey, we're only going to get less than ten Let's just go at it really quick here. There's a better match that these two, not necessarily even better, longer, right? Like these two can have a pay-per-view match somewhere in a few years down the line where you could use this and build on it. And I like this. I thought it was good. I think some people may have wanted a little bit more for Roxanne, but remember, Asuka's never lost in NXT. Um, yeah, come on now. That's funny. (laughs) This is not, wait, Gino, this is not the spot to for a veteran to put over some talent here. No, okay? not just is like Roxanne's this. still 20. Is she even 21 yet? You know, come on. And it's part of her character as a babyface to be that character that looks good in defeat sometimes and is willing to take on some of the tougher opponents and not scared of them. Like this is, this fits Roxanne. 
Um, I thought it was good. And now moving forward, you know, Roxanne is right in that title picture, and she's probably coming up soon. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked yes. if she does. Yeah. I don't know how much yeah. they they have for her to do down there. We saw the pub rules match. This was a tall a ton of fun. They were calling yeah, uh, some of the names that I saw floating around for this team of Ridge Holland, Butch, and Tyler Bate. The brawl, the banging brawling British brutes. <laughs> the British, <laughs> the British banger brute brawl, like the the combinations of all of that were were really funny. There were some pretty dirty ones. There were some also uh, <laughs> creative ones, but this was good, man. Like they yeah, went well, thirty minutes fun. for without commercials here, and you need a match like this. You get these guys just beating the crap out of each other, and you wonder between NXT UK, like these guys have probably been in the ring with each other a bunch. Through the years, they all know each other really, really well. Yeah, and uh, poor old Coffee, he he got the brakes beat off of him, man. He got um, crushed. <laughs> man, he got like, cracked with a mug. Um, then Butch, you know, does the old snap the finger gimmick on old poor old Coffee. He 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 got beat up pretty good, but um, then they do the uh, I think they did the shield power bomb too. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. unique. I thought that was kind of like a a homage to the shield. Um, uh, you know, those guys, I thought it was good. And then of course, when you put coffee through the table, uh, that's what fans want to see in a quote unquote, hardcore match. Um, and bait gets the, the one, two, three. I, I, I wouldn't have booked it any other way. So it's crazy to think about how just a few weeks ago, Becky was feeling really kind of out of sight, out of mind on the main roster. The stuff with Trish was going on a little too long. Before the stuff with Trish, she wasn't really doing much. She was kind of doing the tag team stuff with Lita. It just felt like that story went on forever. And now all of a sudden, she kind of feels really important again with the NXT women's title because we've just seen her all over. And she's like, she's getting to put these young stars over without letting them beat her. Right? It's like the best of everything. Tiffany Stratton looked great. Tegan Knox looked great against Becky. And now Becky's yeah. interacting with Lyra and Tegan. It looks like Tegan may even have maybe a little bit of a heel turn here. So all of a sudden, in the last month, I bet there are a bunch of people that didn't know Tiffany Stratton, that didn't know Tegan Knox, and that don't know Lyra Valkyria. And in a few weeks, they're going to go, wow. Those are some really talented, you you know, like, and that's what this is supposed to do. Exactly. Like you don't have a plan for Becky right now on the main roster to be a huge, a huge focal point. You've got Rhea right there, right? You're, you're building EO. You've got some new stars that you're trying to get over a little bit. You still got Charlotte over there. You've got Bianca whenever she wants to come back. You've got on the, on the women's side, we'll talk. They just had a really kind of good raw for the women's, the women's title picture, right? They they like yes. kind of put three yes. uh, like three contenders right there for Rhea, which sort of felt pretty cool. But I watched these last few days of of WWE and NXT and just went, wow, they have so much talent in the women's divisions overall. Like just right here, those four: Tiffany, Becky, Lyra, Tegan. Those are women that aren't at all a big point of either of your main rosters right now, and they're. And they're, like but those, they're, they're being talked about as though they were. And those, like, right? could you imagine if you were starting any wrestling company on the world and you just had that 
group of four women, you'd have a fantastic starting point, like right off the bat. Small company, you have a Tiffany, a Becky, you've got a Tegan, you've got a Lyra, like a little bit different, different sort of looks, a baby face, a couple could be heels, like just really impressed. And that just shows the incredible depth this women's division has all over and how much talent they have here. We uh, we saw John Cena entering NXT for the first time ever. This was really cool. They, they were singing his song, like were all the words to his song, <laughs> and, and he said that this was giving him some street cred. That that he was getting cheered. Okay, here. let me ask you this, Gino. Let me ask you. Let me stop you. This was it more surreal to see Cody Cena or the Taker on NXT? Let's be honest. And there's no wrong answer here. No, there's not. Probably, probably Taker. Okay. I mean, I would. Probably, I'm going with. I'm going. I'm going gonna, with Cena just because. Yeah. And I was gonna say the reaction for Cena, like, and just thinking about, thinking about the size of, of like Cena. And you're you're right, because like we could maybe see Undertaker, his career's done, right? You could see him showing up at an NXT like he did there. But with Cena, he's such a big star, and we we never know this little. Time period of him coming back for a couple months Like this was happening it, it really did Sort of time out with the I mean, strikes Seriously home, right? like Other they than what didn't, didn't Cena wrestle out in your neck of the woods what, what was that promotion he came out of Yeah the one in California Where he was the prototype Right so yeah. that was probably The smallest arena Slash sound studio stage He's been in since ever in those days in, I mean, in this his whole a massive movie star since, since he's been John Cena no doubt about yes. it and yes. and that's yeah. the thing Without like, a doubt. John he he's it, it was a perfect storm of timing for them and and then also you know I did hear like the response for that some of the people were saying was oh gosh NXT is just throwing all these main roster stars and it has nothing to do with NXT I th- I don't I I don't I thought the opposite well, I, don't I don't know. Agree. Well, the funny thing, I don't, I don't agree with that because NXT has been doing this recently. They've been doing it. Like, have has John Cena and the Undertaker been there? No. But Becky Lynch has been on NXT a lot recently. Seth Rollins has been there a lot. So has Dominic. So has Natalia. So has Baron Corbin. I mean, Dolph Ziggler. We when he we could go through fifteen or twenty people. That have had interactions with NXT stars. AJ Styles was on there. You know, yeah, like this has point. been going on now for a little while. So it's not. It it wasn't a, out of nowhere. And um, God, it was so cool to see Cena there. And for a lot of these fans to get a chance to see Cena in in that environment, like you said, they're singing. Um, you know, thank you, Cena. And <laughs> uh, then Braun Breaker comes out. And they're singing Braun Breaker sucks, uh, which was it's cool. It's great and, because this is, hey, weren't we concerned about Braun Breaker a while back? We're like, absolutely. man, if this guy's not going to the main roster, what's there's left for him? He's not getting over. He's kidnapping people. His dad's being kidnapped. Man, have things changed for Braun Breaker. And who knows what a plan for him is, but Paul Heyman, he's, he's involved with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's making calls to Roman Reigns. Paul Heyman is talking about him. Paul Heyman is introducing him on this show. And then Braun Breaker loses a main event match. Then, But he loses to Carmelo. Then after the match, he takes out Carmelo and gets to kind of get his heat back. And then 
The Undertaker comes out. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, my gosh, you have Braun Breaker, you know, get beat by the old man Undertaker. Didn't this just happen to L.A. Knight? Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? When we were like, and people said, oh, L.A. Knight's getting buried by the Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, you know, when they were out there. Look at how L.A. Knight's doing right now. When they put remember, you in the ring with the I, Taker, they mean hey, something. And, re- and remember when I brought up, they were talking about, and we were too, man, L.A. Knight, when's it, when's it going to win the Rumble? When's it going to win the title? When's he going to win the briefcase? Remember when I told you, and I wasn't the only one that sniffed, it, that sniffed this out, but I did write it down and I brought it up on the podcast. Remember when, when Paul Heyman was mentioning L.A. Knight for yep. no reason? Yep. And now he's mentioning Braun Breaker? I'm just telling you, write it down. Things are happening. And Braun Breaker as this heel, this is the best version of Braun Breaker right 100%. now. 100%. And every heel can't be a heel that wins every match that's some badass. Like, some of them are slimy, whiny. They lose. They are, you know, this is real. He's still a young dude. I I have no problem with him getting punched out and choke slammed by The Undertaker He's in the ring with the taker. There was a ton of eyeballs on him. We got, and you and I are recording this early on uh, on Thursday or early on Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday. We got to yeah. keep an eye out if we can get if these ratings pop out at any point. Oh yeah, when I keep we're, refreshing. When I keep me refreshing. too. When we're recording, because I'm just curious to see what they are for both sides. Because whichever one they come out. What do you think? What's your guess? Uh, what's your guess? Oh man, give me uh, a number for both. Jeez. You think it'll be uh, nine hundred thousand for NXT? Oh my god, NXT is going to be. I thought. I think they're going to be way over that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think. Okay. I think. I think NXT is going to be like one five. What? Yeah, dude. I think they're going to be. Uh, oh no. I mean, not consistently. Like maybe a peak. I'd say maybe like one okay. one one two. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Like, I think but they have their highest. They're over peaks. under a million. Yeah. I'm, going oh, over. they're going over a million. I think okay. AEW will struggle a little bit more because it was new for them. I think they'll be in like and the seventh. With day. baseball, you know, we, with you know, baseball. we always got to make we always got to make up, you know, uh, uh, excuses for everybody. So with baseball, right? You know, a couple of weeks ago, AEW. Well, there was baseball. Well, there was baseball on Tuesday too. Yeah. Okay. I'm so going one and, yeah. and NHL. NHL just started time. opening night. Yeah. So I'm going. I think that's going over the, under some, 100. Okay. Give me an over, over under, under, under AEW Dynamite. 775. What about for you? No way. Are yeah. you serious? I think it, okay. I think, you think under? No, I think it's over that. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm asking. So, what you're going over for AEW? Uh, yeah, I'll go over AEW. And oh, man, I'm going to go. Oh, God, man. You put me in a bad position, but I like to bet everything. I'm going to yep. go over AEW and I'll go over WWE too. Now, yeah, we're not you know, talking average. We're no. talking the highest peak. I, yeah, I think, I think they both did pretty well. There was a good amount of buzz for it. You know, I, okay. I do. And, okay. and like, for, even for baseball, it wasn't Monday where there was Monday night football, right? Or a Thursday where you had Thursday football. Yeah, man, it was, it was cool. But I, I do think WWE was handily, handily above. With NXT, I I will say that I I would be surprised if it was close. I think it'll be a couple hundred thousand between the two of them. Okay. Do you agree on that, or do you think it'll be closer than that? I do agree. I do agree. NXT won. I'm thinking more of the at. You know, I'm thinking more of it peaked at upper nine hundreds. But man, when you think about it, and not even of like, I don't know. And we and I know you and I talked about the quality of show. It like it felt bigger. This wouldn't even have been like 
which show was better. This is just based on the stars that were on the oh, show and that sure, were announced sure, sure, versus sure. the other. And the fact that NXT has been doing pretty well already recently, right? Like they've been trending up for a while in the 800-ish range. In the, You know what? You got a good point. You sold me. I'm going over and over. So that, that was the, the, two that was the I'm thing gonna parlay. where I figured they've already been doing pretty well. They've already got some extra eyeballs. And now they've mentioned all this stuff throughout the last week or so. Um, it'll be funny when everybody hears this because obviously the ratings will already be out. And they'll have been like laughing at you and me when we're talking about this. Oh, I know. Um, we'll pot shots. That's which is great. That's what, that's what we're here for. Um, that's what it's for. Okay, so, man, we're going to have a uh, – what do we got next week? We got a Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. <laughs> <laughs> Cody announced that one. So uh, Tony D and stacks like that. So we, we've got that on the way. Um, we had a Dragon Off versus Dom match. LA Knight was a special. Ooh, what a match. And Just man, a good, solid match, man. Dragon Off gets over here, which makes him look strong. Doesn't hurt Dom any because he gets to hold on to his title here. And, you know, that that's fine. Dom can stack up losses as long as he holds on to the title all weaselly. That's cool for him. And I like and I like that it puts we got Baron Corbin involved. So it looks like we're going to go Baron Corbin. Um, um, yeah, so he's right? got. Or, yeah, or, so Corbin. Both of them got involved. Corbin faces Dijak. It's Corbin, it. Dijak, and now Carmelo because it was the Carmelo Braun winner. That's it. So That's it's a triple it. okay. threat match. Okay. And then whoever wins that um, goes on, and it's got to be Corbin, right? I and I, I, I would I, think so too. I think they probably put Dijak in there to take the fall. That yes. way you could have Carmelo yes. not lose the match, right? Yes. And you could. It seems like they're doing something with Carmelo and Trick, maybe. Yes, I, they yes. might even be going in that direction, which I like. Because Trick said, "What did the, uh, Trick asked John Cena at one point? He said, uh, hey, John, you know, Cena and and Cody were kind of doing some of the rounds, you know, and they're they're kind of giving some of the different people the rub.' And uh, he said, "Hey, John, how do you know if your time is now?" Which I just <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he's like. Reading him his own lyrics from his theme from his music and uh, John's okay. Let me talk to you. And so they went over to talk. Uh, the the women's breakout tournament quarterfinals: Lola Vice versus Danny Palmer. And Lola Vice, man, looks really good. She has some good submissions. She has good standing offense. Uh, a nice running kick. And I think she's. I sh- I would pick her to win this thing. I think she's the favorite. Um, she's yeah, she's gotten some of the most TV time, right? And and that's usually how it is. Like you can just sort of tell they've always kind of had a they've liked her. And I think sometimes with these tournament, they sort of build it around someone that they have a plan yes. for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, what, I, I, I thing we were yeah, we were thinking. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the same thing. One of the more interesting things of the entire night. The Brian Pillman Jr. video package. He, he sure. was watching. We got a new name. We yeah. got a new name. I like the way he did this too, because look, when people go to WWE or NXT, and sometimes they have to change their name, we never really know why. We don't really understand. We hear stories sometimes about names they pick. I just wrote a list of a few names here and here, and I just matched them together, you know, and stuff like that. But then there's other times where 
Maybe it was something like this. I don't know how real any of this is, but we never know why people change their names, why they maybe want to. Maybe you you had a, a character name and you were sick of it. Maybe you want to pay homage to someone in your family. Maybe there's all sorts of different reasons. I love what this did for Brian Pillman Jr. And all of a sudden, we saw him in AEW. He even had a match with MJF at one point in like a, a, an episode where he was kind of a big a part of it. I feel like in this one segment, in this one vignette, I already have a little bit more of an idea of his character here than I ever did watching him on AEW. And Bingo. I think that's right, like right away. Like I I just oh, this is a guy who he doesn't really want to be, you know, talked about like his father. He doesn't want to be he had a bad relationship with his father. He wants to get away from that. He's also but then at the same time, he is sort of a a loose cannon, so he doesn't want. He just doesn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps. I just, I like this. It's not all. You always feel like, oh man, son of Brian Pillman Jr. Like he just respects his father. This is a this is a cool layered character now. Right. It's not um, a guy who I just am going to watch wrestle. Right. It's a guy would who it I'm, been a I'm bigger in, would it would it been a bigger impact and and, and of course time will tell a longer impact. If we use Brian Pillman Jr. And he said it in his promo. He's no one's junior. He turned heel on his dad. Couldn't escape the business. Now I'm going to inflict pain on everyone. And we will find out more about Lexus King. We will. We crapped on LA Knight. We crapped on Guther. Give it a chance. All I'm asking. Yeah, me too. That's all. I'm fine with this. I thought watch was- it come to find out that this was his idea and people are really going, oh, well, yeah, 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 it was great. Can- it was, that was a character on the Walking I Dead spinoff. Blah, blah, blah. Look, I would have a weird time if he's got to be involved with this in some way. Like, I don't think this was thrust on him like this. I don't think they were like, oh, no. yeah, tell him that you hate your dad. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> Maybe if they said, hey, you, you, we are going to have you go under a different name. But why would they have even had him say it? Right. And bring it up. Like, I don't know if they would have done that. Like, they didn't do that with Braun Breaker. They don't do that with other characters where they're like, so I don't know. I thought this was, I, this to me may be something that he wanted. And I, I like this. I'm I'm very interested yeah, in too. him now. And, I mean, we saw Jade show up. And, again, Jade always looked like a star when we saw her on AEW. She felt like she was a bigger star than a lot of the people around her because of the way she looked and the way she was booked. But then they never took the next step. They never got her into a few. They never did anything more. They never, it was just. Put her on, we were channel chasing her. YouTube, TBS, TNT. Well, yeah, that's the thing. We didn't even see her on the big shows ever. And there's already a couple people that have come over right now. And I think, I think WWE is proving a point just to show some of the, the talent in AEW that, hey, we're not holding grudges. We're not going to do stuff that maybe Vince might have done years ago or that people say we do. Because my, for me, Chad, I used to wonder, oh, yeah, if someone comes over from TNA or WCW, Vince didn't – he did it sometimes with Jeff Jarrett or he did it sometimes with uh, you know people that were supposed to be bigger stars and he would bury them. The moment that I thought it was all different was with AJ Styles and after that. AJ Styles was treated like a star right when he came in. And they, you know, 
they treated AJ like he was a big star and he was a big star outside of this company. And then he came over. And from then on, we started seeing, you know, and in NXT, them actually bring in stars from other places and treat them like big stars. Um, so for for me, that whole thing is changed. Like, and I think with Cody, with Jade, and even with the someone like Pillman now, they're showing you, look, we're not gonna hold it against you if you were somewhere else. Like we're we're gonna do our best to make you a really good big part of our company and make a lot of money together. Yeah. Yeah. I it's um I, I'm real excited about this. Um not, wasn't I, I started following Brian Pillman Jr. When I was really watching every wrestling show I could find on television and the internet, and um, oh man, and I get the uh, I get the press releases all the time still from the company. What is uh, uh what is old uh, what's his name Corbin's promotion? Uh, not Baron Corbin. Um, what's the pro- MZW? Uh, and it's all in sports. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. You know what I'm talking about? Not Major League Wrestling. What's it? MLW. Uh, MLW. Yep. So I started watching. I, I got some oddball channel on my cable system that MLW and started following Brian Pillman Jr. Then, of course, he was hurt with the knee. MJF was in then. there years ago, right? In MLW. He, he was. He'll, he he was. So I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, now they started getting behind on tapings, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, I was intrigued with this kid because he had the look, but he's just, he was hurt with a knee during a majority of that run in MLW. Then he gets signed with AEW, the varsity players gimmick. And again, if you wanted to see him, you had to go on YouTube and us TV fans aren't going to do that. So I'm really intrigued to see the character development that WWE puts behind this kid. I think it's going to be really, really spectacular. If not, I'm wrong. It blows up in our face. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be great. I do. Uh, I think... NXT, he for whatever reason, it just feels it's like it feels better for him right now too. Yeah. Like he's oh, gonna yeah. be in a smaller pool where he's given more of a focus, and the opposite happens in AEW. And how many different people in AEW have been like Brian Pillman Jr., where they'll have this great one episode, or they'll have one or two episodes in a row, and then you just don't see them again for a year. It's just. They're on Rampage or on YouTube, or you got to look all over for them. And uh, we'll know where to find Brian Pillman Jr. now on NXT. We had that main event segment with The Undertaker uh, after coming out afterwards. And wow, seeing The Undertaker show up as the American badass. Braun Breaker got to stand in the ring with The Undertaker, with Paul Heyman, and with John Cena. You know? <laughs> so for anyone that's saying that Braun Breaker got buried, he was in the <laughs> ring with those three guys. Very big, Gino. Paul Heyman called him a future WrestleMania main eventer. And like on the show on live TV and did his intro. So Braun Breaker, bury you're doing me, okay. Gino. Yeah. <laughs> bury me, bury me. Uh, let's go to AEW. Let's talk about what was going on on Tuesday night. And then we'll go back a little bit and talk some uh, some Monday. So AEW had the 30-minute um, buy-in. The buy-in, buy-in where they had Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston, and this is like again, if I if I could make one like just very simple critique for AEW right away, it would be scrap the Ring of Honor stuff, just scrap it. You know, like right away, it, it's, it's just like, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit you, with the company. It just doesn't work. Because what what I don't understand about it 
as I'm watching this and Eddie Kingston would be good to have as one of your like mid-level baby faces or a guy that you can slot into a main event baby face on your roster. And, you know, you, you don't even have set pools of wrestlers, right? If, if I knew this was your Raw roster, this was your SmackDown roster, all these wrestlers wrestle for these certain titles, all these wrestlers wrestle for, for certain titles, like, you'll have guys that are wrestling for the AEW International Championship, and then two days later, they're a Ring of Honor Trios champion. Right. And it uh, is like, huh? And no story, no story how they won it or not. You're supposed to figure it out on your own. And and the Ring of Honor, exactly, the Ring of Honor stories don't play out on AEW at all. And it's not even like they're playing out on Raw or NXT or SmackDown, which are all out there. Like, if you want to watch Ring of Honor, you got to pay for it now. And you got to subscribe. Um, so I just, I think if you just scrap the Ring of Honor, I know they were trying to do a cool thing. It just, it doesn't, first of all, it's not Ring of Honor. It's like, oh. No. It's like sub AEW or it's just your somewhat separate roster that's not a separate roster. It to me there's no defined anything in it and that's why it's so strange. Kingston picks up the win here to get the show started and they they uh you know they were making it seem like this is one of the biggest dynamites ever. They had Renee Young and RJ City um talking about the big events throughout the night, but unfortunately John Moxley who was advertised like they didn't get off to a great start for them because one of their big matches of the night for Moxley, he's still hurt. So yeah. they had to call an audible, but I will say I'm very glad they did not try to push him here. Right. Cause yeah. that's totally yeah. like Good a move. Moxley thing. And I, and with how competitive this night got between WWE and AEW, I, for Moxley would have said, Oh, I'm okay. No, you could don't do it. And I, and I don't think it, and I don't think it was going to make that much of a difference. In no, here. it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it wasn't going to, because you know, people are behind orange Cassidy anyways. They have orange Cassidy win instead um, later in the card. And that that's, that's usually one of the, the moves that w- would have happened because Moxley was supposed to win. You have the guy who's filling in, end up winning that thing. And he was sort of looking at the title a little weird. I almost wonder if they're going to have, I don't know, like a heelish turn or something for Orange Cassidy. He won this thing in just five minutes. It didn't go all that long. But the match of the night for them was Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. That was very good. It went 16 minutes. Just against feels a little bit weird to me because I don't think Swerve should be losing a lot of matches. Didn't they just have Swerve? Bingo! Who did this help and who did this hurt? I have no problem with the match. Me neither. It's a great match. It, It looked good. But who did this really help and who did it really hurt? Because let me tell you something, Gino, it hurt Swerve Strickland. It did. And why and this was a this was a number one contenders match for the TNT title. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Which again, okay, sure. Why why do you have to have so if you're just looking at the lay of the land right now, okay, you're gonna have MJF with Jay White in a bit, but don't you wanna keep Swerve like warm and he can be the next heel to go that in that direction after MJF. And then you just have Brian Danielson go uh, after Christian. That's fine. Like that fits well, but I don't know. I don't know why you felt forced to put swerve in this type of a match where he's going to lose when you just felt like you, you, 
you got a lot out of him getting get, that win over he, Paige. He can't get over, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Yes, he cannot get over the hump and stay there here in AEW. He can't stay there. He has his moments. They had bad moments with that tag team with, with Keith Lee. Um, this would have been the night to 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 send this guy to another level that he deserves and do, and belongs on. And I can't believe they put Danielson over him. I really can't believe it. It's and it's you not can't even win that argument against me. No, and it doesn't. I don't even. I'm not even saying to have Danielson lose. I'm not. I'm saying don't have these two guys in a match like this in this match. Why there was you don't right. need to. Like why did they need to be in this match for a TNT number one contenders match? Okay, Christian's got that title. Cool. They're like elevating it a little bit. Why does Brian Danielson need to have to like beat someone to be a number one contender for that? Just have him and, and look like and look, and I told you this already. What my favorite thing, and we'll get to it. My favorite thing in AEW right now, ain't MJF. It's Christian. But absolutely. why are we getting to Brian Danielson and Christian? Is it's I just and, this 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 is not AEW to me, man. Well, it's just and you're not. in and that again, is that match gonna be Good? Is it going to be a good heel against a good babyface? Do I think Christian is a fantastic wrestler and Daniel Bry- Brian Danielson are? Yes. Kind of just like what we were talking about with NXT, though. Isn't it better when you've got Christian helping elevate some of the other younger guys and you have them interact with each other? And the same with Brian yeah. Danielson? Like, I, I can't help but what it, it's not that it's not entertaining with some of these things, but. When I'm watching Christian and Adam Copeland out there, I can't help but think it's Edge and Christian, right? You just are like, and you watch those guys, and you're like, oh, Brian, Daniel Bryan and Christian. And you think of them a little bit as the WWE guys. That's all. It's not even that they're, it's, it's just hard not to. And I agree with you. I don't know if it's the best use for now all of a sudden we're going to have, it looks like Christian, Brian Danielson, Edge, Moxley, Claudio, all kind of in the mix together. Huh. It was just like all, it just looks like a bunch of other WWE guys, which felt like the opposite of, of AEW and, or, or where they wanted to be different, where they wanted to be unique. Um, so I guess on the flip side of that, one thing that is good, they made powerhouse Hobbs look pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. right? so Who he, thought Jericho was going to be a, uh, a jobber? <laughs> and but but here's my here's my next thing though, what what are we doing next with him, right? Yes. With Hobbs because this Can kind we, of reminded me of Wardlow. Who we I would, dude, I was just gonna say this is Wardlow. <laughs> I'm exactly. sorry. I was like, I felt. I'm it. sorry. I, well, no, I because I'm I sorry. felt the same thing. It said he okay. I, I'm not. I'm gonna say this was a good night for Hobbs. This was a good moment for Hobbs. Doesn't hurt Jericho, right? We like Jericho. No, oh, no, like no, 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 like, no, 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 no. Jericho's ice. I mean, Jericho's gold forever. But if we don't see anything from Hobbs next week, it's 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 irrelevant. We got to see something from Hobbs right away now. We got to see Hobbs say, hey, hey, after this next match, I'm going after you, MJF. And then for the next six weeks, we see Hobbs beating the crap out of people. And dominating people along the way. Or maybe he gets one or two more wins. And then he does that. Like we need. Right now. Whether or not I agree. With or you agree. Or anyone else personally likes Hobbs as a wrestler. They made the choice. Last night. Now they picked Hobbs. Go with Hobbs. Yes. Right. Just go with him. 
if that's the guy that you picked right now to go with for a little bit, go with him. I don't want to see him losing in a week to Wardlow because that does nothing for <laughs> this guy. Right? It doesn't do anything for either of them. And then it's like, oh, damn, you kind of wasted that, like, Jericho doing a really good job for that dude. You know, a guy like Jericho doesn't have to go out there and do stuff like that, but he does it because he feels like it's going to help Hobbs. And I'm sure he really likes Hobbs to do something like that yeah. for him. So, fine segment. I will like this segment more if we get something good for Hobbs in the next week or two. I'll say, great job. Great. You know, they use Jericho as like a really good way to get this guy over, and then boom, let's keep getting him over. Um, I, I will say, I didn't mind some of the MJF, Adam Cole, goofy buddy sketches together. Like, I didn't love them. I didn't hate them. My whole issue with them always was if they didn't feel like they were world title stuff, right? They were stuff that you could have done without you didn't need the world champ to be involved with. Man, the skits the skits with Cole and Roderick Strong and stuff at his house, I think these are terrible. Like I don't even think yeah. they're funny at all. Yeah. Like I'm not, not they don't make me laugh. Where we where we go with that character because a couple of weeks ago we were praising it. Like what but I mean it's not fun. Know, it's not funny. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like Adam Cole is hurt. Why would Adam Cole? I know, it, Chad. You're my friend. If I had a broken ankle, you're <laughs> not gonna tell me to to go move your couch and like mow your lawn. It's just the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world. I would be like, Coop, I love you, man. I'll pay somebody else on a task rabbit yeah. to come over here. And mow your freaking lawn. Like, I'm not going to do that and jeopardize my ankle. And it's like, we're supposed to believe that he's been there for a couple of weeks now? Doesn't he have a family? Isn't he married to Britt Breaker? Or like, Britt, isn't, aren't they dating? Like, he's just living at this house now for weeks? They don't have, this is a house that has no TV and doesn't have telephone reception. <laughs> And this is a dude that's a streamer. He's a gamer. He's a twitcher. This Adam Cole probably has freaking hot spots in his pocket all over the place, wherever he goes, where he can set one up. <laughs> hot spots. You know what I mean? Like those, those little, little like, bricks. Oh exactly. yeah. Oh like, yeah. He used to have but, one. But this on like, does Adam Cole look? I'm thinking about Adam Cole right now, and and he's been over. I'm not saying he's not been over. Like, people have liked the segments with him and MJF. But, like, compare this guy to the guy that was in NXT. Like, the head of the Undisputed Era. Right now, we're supposed to think that he's, like, a guy who's just letting Roderick Strong tool him? I don't, like, I don't know. What is this doing for Adam Cole? Like, what good I, is this for him? I don't know. Yeah, this is pitiful. I, I kind of... if. if I, if you, if he's, if you really need him to be on TV, I, I, he can't, can, can he, he do still, commentary? Let, let him do commentary. Yeah. Like, let him sit down Isn't there he, and do, he's a great yeah. talker. He can yeah, cut he promos. Like, but you have to do this. And what's, what's weird about it is I have, we've been positive on the Roderick strong character part of it. Right. I think Roderick doing the next stuff and, and wearing the, like wearing the stuff and in the wheelchair, I'm fine with all of that. I think that's a funny thing. Like that reminds me of Jerry Lawler and Gordy. And what was it? Uh, Orton, Bob Orton did it. D'Lo Brown. Yeah. 
Owen Hart. Think of all the people through the years that what, had a cast on or had a chest protector, <laughs> something, you know, and they would like. I love that part of it. I just think these skits. Who the hell is sitting down there and going, "This is funny" or "This really makes sense"? It's like this. It's really stupid, and it's like it's going to be funny. Last week we didn't talk about it, Chad. They had the one that aired last week without the sound or the volume was down. And it was so bad. And then they replayed it. They played it again. It was like they wasted five minutes. I was like, oh, I didn't hear it the first time. And then I was watching it. Oh, I was like, this this thing must be incredible. Why would they play it again? It was like, whoever is greenlighting some of these, the ones with MJF were better. But these are not good at all. No. No. Uh, Squash match for Wardlow. Uh, So at least, you know. Get him one or two of these, but yeah, you know, you, you got to get have something ready for him. We had Jay White pick up a win over Hangman Page, so that's another loss for Hangman. Although it is at least no, positive. No, yeah, yeah, no problem with this, but I, I just didn't like this finish to this. Me neither. Stuff. Me neither. You know? I, I I was gonna say I don't have a problem with it either because they're building Jay White, right? That's fine. Sure. Convoluted. Okay. Convoluted. But again, like you, you move right from that to Jay White winning, and then MJF comes out, and oh boy, Jay White has stolen MJF's title, so he's holding on to it. And we have a segment here, and most of this segment is is fine, right? I actually think MJF mentioned that he's heard some of the criticism that people have said he's been getting a little too goofy, so he got he was like fired up babyface here, right? A little like much more serious tone. And the the problem is though, at the end of this, Juice Robinson <laughs> pulls out the role of quarters, which one MJF has told a story about how when he was a kid, he got ta- he got called ridiculous names. People ridiculed him for being Jewish. They talked about him being cheap. They threw quarters at him. They made him pick them up. This is also something when you like that is a, a bad stereotype. That you can look up very quickly And so first off If it was just that Just that right It would already be one of those things Chad That's like eh, I don't know if it's worth it right Is it worth doing Is it worth doing for like the shock value Because I I don't know you're well, gonna Is it even worth doing six months ago Right that, that's what I mean So at any point you wonder is is any angle like this worth doing? And I'm talking WWE, AEW. I think about week like so. I'm not trying to be defending WWE at any point with this. We can. I'm sure Chad, you and I could go do a five hour podcast on offensive things of WWE through the years that they've done, where we would have been. We're like, whoa, what the hell was that? That just the Vince alone. When he showed up on and said stuff on TV, that was like, what is this yeah. guy doing right now? Right. So, but, but, so anytime you're going to bring like culture or race or something like that into it, it feels to me a little cringy and a little bit outdated. I think we don't need to do that as much in wrestling nowadays. I think we can be a little more creative. We can lean on good wrestling. We can find better ways to have. Interesting storylines without getting cheap heat like that, right? I think overall, that's kind of the comp- the business has gone that way. We don't have as many stereotype characters at all out there, and and that's for the good of the business and the good of just 
people like taking wrestling a little more seriously and not thinking it's like a carny game, you know, and like rolling their eyes when you talk about WWE and people go, oh, yeah, that fake stuff. So all of that's a positive. Then you have something like this where I know MJF is going to lean into his own personal experiences, but right now what's going on in the world with Israel, with Palestine, there have been unbelievable World events happening in just the last few days And when I say world They are involving the United States People of Jewish um, People of Jewish faith People of Jewish like um, uh, Any people all over Like the world That have Jewish ties Jewish faith Anything Chad So people all over the world Are being impacted by this This was so badly Tone deaf And out of touch as a company I I don't care How much MJF is fine with it And I don't care how much MJF Is gonna Is gonna make this okay Because the babyface is gonna win at the end And it's not gonna be about bullying You can't make this okay In any way on your television show Um, This is a show that people Tune in to get an escape I'm fine when there are serious storylines And when there are serious angles this was so far crossing the line that I just I, there's not going to be any explanation to me that makes this okay. Um, with the timing right now, with everything that's going on, I thought this was wildly offensive. And I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I am not a holier than thou person. I am not, um, like a prude person, Chad, at all. I just th- this offended me. This was like, whoa, I-, I couldn't believe that they were doing this. And you and I both right away were like, wow, they did this. And then. I like to hear because a lot of the the wrestling media out there is really defensive of AEW. Like they defend a lot of what they do. I didn't see anybody defending this that was like hosting a podcast, um, talking about it at all. Like everybody was universally saying this was this wouldn't even have been a good idea without what's happening right now. And then the fact that this is happening right now made this such a bad idea. Uh, share some of your thoughts on this. Yeah, I'm not going to get too into it. I think you did you did a great job explaining this. Uh, let's sh- let's let's put it like this, and let's be honest. If WWE would have done this, uh, sir, we would be trying to cancel their programming. We would be picketing outside of USA Network, uh, Fox Television, um, their new company that owns them. Um, but it's not. It was AEW. There was no shock value. Um, no. I, I don't care who approved it. Um, it was it was beyond tone deaf. And when TMZ picks it up and blasts you for it, them of all people. Look, I've been in the media. I've been in uh, the media now 21 years. OK, you've been in the media for a long time. And there's been these old sayings. Oh, uh, if the, it, it, you know. Bad, bad bad news is also good news. No, no publicity not. is bad publicity. No, this is bad. No, you're right. That's it. No, it's not, sir. No, it's not. That's and, not true. Yeah, and we don't and I'm not going to pretend like I know. Like I don't get into a lot of the stuff that I don't know, right? I don't comment on things that oh, I don't I, me, know, me neither. That I, I don't, don't either. Know, I just don't, I don't comment know, on it. Like I don't know the intricacies of any of, of this stuff. All I know is you shouldn't have talked about it. You shouldn't have brought it up on your wrestling program. This wasn't a story or an angle to lean into. And this is one thing that I I will always critique either company for. 
and more recently We've seen a lot of these things with AEW And it came down a few weeks ago With the John Moxley injury And it comes down when There's like weird production things happening Or when sometimes there's like four matches In a row that all have a schmoss Finish where you've got five guys running down And like a huge run in I don't know if they have One person or like a meeting Where they're looking over the, the entire rundown And going okay like There There needs to be like another set of eyes and ears always like more checks and balances on what's going on and what's being let out onto the uh, onto the the screen. And yeah, this bothered me. Uh, This bothered me in a night where like we were really into everything happening in wrestling. And there was a lot of good on AEW. And it's cool to see Christian. And we're going to talk about Adam Copeland in a second. And I even thought that the next women's match, while it didn't make any sense to me. Why you would have <laughs> like why you would have Sheeta just win okay. this title kind of out of nowhere? Out of nowhere. I actually thought that Soraya's like looking like she's getting a little bit back into a groove, right? She's actually had a few more matches now. It was probably very scary for her in those first few matches. And like I thought they went eleven minutes. I thought they both did a pretty good job in ring, but it made no sense to me why she won this match. It was just like a a total like Another shock value thing, I think, just have a have a title change for the sake of having the title change. One one of my positives, though, I, for a, for a lot of negatives, I want to be fair and, and do mention the things that I like. You talked about Christian; he's been fantastic. This might be the best version of his, of him he's ever been in yes, his whole career. I agree. Yeah, like I, yeah, I agree. And it's funny. He, I, I don't know if this is just me right now, and maybe it's because over the last year and a half. Edge hasn't done a whole lot Christian feels to me like he's on a higher level Than Copeland right now Oh bingo thank you Right it for the first yes, one, I, I agree. I, I'm not going to say that Co- Edge Adam Copeland is a much bigger Star and much more well known And he's done acting and You know you know, you know, know what I think really hurt Adam Copeland Too I have nothing Against Luchasaurus Nothing but why would you waste the debut on Luchasaurus? And you go like, and you go like fifteen minutes, and it make it look like you're gonna lose to Luchasaurus. This should have been. Then you have smazzy a smazzy ending where you've got at the end, instead of your brand new big signing, Adam Copeland standing tall, have him hit a couple of his big moves at the end. His music plays. He's out there celebrating. You've got a run in, an attack, another run in, an attack, another run in, an attack. <laughs> And then the thing you go off the air with is Brian Danielson versus Christian. You know, it's just like, what? Why wouldn't? Wait, what? <laughs> and I, it didn't make any sense to me why you you had a really good, you had Adam Copeland, let him get a nice win and stand tall. That's Adam good Page game. is out there. But it you was know, so Page weird. What, why did yeah, there need to be 10 people at the ring at the end of this? It didn't make any did sense the to me. They did a run over. You know, they did their run over. It so went, I don't know if that. Went too long. This thing went 16 yeah. minutes. Like, this thing should have gone six minutes. I mean, how six. many 16 minute matches that has Edge had in the WWE over the last couple of years? I know. And I don't know why you would want handful, it but- with Luchasaurus like this. So, that, a, a few small things. Um, but yeah, then we got a- afterwards Wayne, Luchasaurus, Stomp on Edge. This is what, it, this is what the write up says at the end of PW Torch. 
Afterwards, Rain and Luchasaurus stomp on edge. Danielson runs out for the save. Christian joins the fight. Claudio and Wheeler Yuta <laughs> run up and beat out Wayne and Christian. Gates of Agony then attack Claudio and Eula. Hangman charges out and joins in the fight. Edge then spears Wayne. <laughs> then inexcusably misses the move, even though it was telegraphed, and the director certainly had to be cued in ahead of time. <laughs> that was what Somebody deserves uh, extra credit points for, for right. all that. I like that was a good write up. I, I thought that was good. Yeah, it was. Good job on, on PW Torch there. But I was critical again. We were a little critical. Two things I actually enjoy right now Tony Storm, she's found a character. This is a character yeah, that yeah. works. They're doing this like the VOD villains type character, you know, where she's like an old, like, um, like actress. She's like a diva and she's. Absolutely nuts and crazy But the best thing is Tony Storm is all in on this act She's like you can see Whether or not it's goofy She believes in everything And all of a sudden The crowd loves her She's the most over she's ever been in her entire life With this goofy gimmick And she was She put her face In the butt of Athena The other night in a match On on Collision She's just like was like going right. She just is. She's almost like a female gold dust right now too, where she's just gonna go nuts and try to like get inside your head. I think the character is great. I wanted to give them some positives for that because whoever's working with it, whether it's Tony Storm herself, if there's people behind the scenes, I like it. And I think RJ City fits with her really well. Yeah, he's goofy yeah. and corny, and he could be a guy that like. Introduces her as she comes down to the ring All the time it, I think it really works They actually had her in the picture in picture You know when they did the uh, The commercials And it was perfect because she was She said it's going to be like a silent picture And she was She would, she didn't need to talk You didn't need to hear anything um, So shout out to that I don't know why I, I enjoy um, I enjoy Max Caster like being obsessed with MJF. I think, I don't know why it makes me pop a little bit. I think he, I think it's funny and we're going to probably get the uh, acclaimed needing to, to step up and fill in. So we'll probably get some sort of like the acclaimed and MJF versus the bullet club with that side, um, which, which will at least be good for the acclaimed because man, a while ago, Coop, they were the hottest act on the show. Yeah. I don't hear much about them anymore. And so now so much going on. You, but but it, it, I, they it, do real quick. The, the, I, I want to add something about Tony Storm. This is what they should have been doing with her because she was the game changing acquisition on the women's side. She was. Of AEW. She was. And and now the, it's taken a while to get there, but I'm in, I, I I have bought in. To me this too. Character. And every tweak that she's made has been better than the the the, the earlier the previous. Yes. The earlier version, yeah, like when she came into AEW and she was just like Tony Storm. And then when she became a heel, she was better. And now this character yeah. is even better than the heel that she was. And she's that that was kind of the issue with Tony is that she didn't really have like she was just sort of like a tough girl, kind of a badass, good looking. She's got a little something to her, but she didn't really have like ever have a character even kind of coming up, you know? And this is really good stuff. So for negative, I want to give a lot of positive because I really do like that, and I I think the acclaimed they kind of remind me of like a new day ish team to where 
the crowd likes them so much and with their raps and with some of the like the goofy things they can do, the scissoring and that if you put them in with a guy like MJF, the crowd's going to going to be into them again real quickly. So I think that could be good for them to kind of elevate them back up as a main like a main part of the uh the roster as uh there was AEW. Let's just mention a couple things Chad that we uh that we missed on um from like from Raw and maybe from um from the pay-per-view over Fastlane. weekend Fastlane. I was like I couldn't think of it for a second. So we saw Cody and Jey Uso pick up the tag team titles and it was it was a good match and this was a good card overall. We had five matches on the card. All of them went 10 minutes or over and we had four of them go over 15 minutes. This thing went 20 minutes and now a bunch of stories you can tell with Cody, with Jay, with the Bloodline, with the Judgment Day. Uh, KO and Sammy were in the mix on Monday night. They had a really good match for the tag team titles there. Um, we see Johnny Gargano and Ciampa in the mix. I could see them being a legitimate team for the titles on the uh, SmackDown side. You know, the Street Profits are over there. Like, they could be a legitimate team for the tag team titles. It feels like this division now is getting warmed up. I don't think Cody and Jay will be the champs for a long time period. But I am kind of curious how they have them lose the titles. Because I don't like Cody losing a lot. No, but I'll tell you this. Hell of a match. Um, I, you talk about a fun, fantastic match with all kind of things. You know, you have the briefcase. Uh, you have all kind of things that that story was told in that match. I don't think anyone expected these titles to change. I didn't. I sure did not. I I just didn't. I I don't have a problem with it. I thought it would be a smaz. I thought it'd be a DQ. We get the briefcase, Rhea, we get Dom or something. Number one, great match. And number two, I did think it would, it may lead to a cash in in the main event. We'll get to that in just a second. But just a hell of a match to start it, and man, what a post-match celebration in the press conference with uh with Jay and Cody. <laughs> so funny there. I uh, love seeing those guys. Carlito. Remember when it was? Remember when? Hey, remember when Cody Rhodes was done because he didn't win at WrestleMania? Yeah. Oh God, you're right, man. Remember? And, and I remember, gotta, I gotta say, those thoughts cr- got into my head. Not. I thought that could happen, but it's never you bought in. Well, I was going to say it was hard not because we've seen it happen in the past WWE, right? We've seen it happen with Lex Luger or these guys that were supposed to win, didn't, and then never were able to get their momentum back. But the difference is that was Vince. That was Vince. This is Triple H who's seemingly had a plan all along. And you know what? Cody is as over now as he's ever been. And everybody still wants him to win. Nobody got sick of him. I was worried that, gosh, for a whole nother year, are people going to get sick of him at some point? No, man. You don't see a lot of baby faces that do what he does. And incredible job from Cody. He was, uh, think about where he was at the end of his AEW run. People didn't care about him anymore. They didn't care. He, he was he was visibly frustrated with what was happening some in, in the company. We don't, and we don't know what, but it was playing out on screen with him because we didn't know who his character was. Someday he would sound like he was going to be a healed. And other days he was like trying to be the greatest baby face in the world. He's just got direction here. He's the good guy. 
and he's as good of a guy and as honest of a guy and it's worked and you gotta like really believe in it. The thing is, I think Cody really believes that. I think he is that guy. If he's not, awesome job by Cody making me believe it. Like I think in his heart, he believes he should be the world champion. He believes he's a guy that is a great baby face for the company. He wants to be out there doing the extra stuff. I don't think it seems like the things that are annoying to other people, I don't think they're annoying to him. He reminds me of The Miz in that sense. Like, like just fantastic company guy. The Miz is like the greatest company guy in the world. You know, he does every interview for them. He does every promotional appearance. He does all of that. I, I feel like Cody eats that up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the stuff he did at NXT, um, just uh, it just shows you what type of, of human being this guy is and i think he this he is at the height of his career right you, now in in the wwe the thing is like he feels like such a wrestling lifer in that like he loves the business knows the business but honestly where you were going he, he to me feels like he might even be a guy that's too big for wrestling when he's done with wrestling and what i mean by that like he could be like a politician you know like he could oh, do something sure. like really big. You feel like, like he might even have bigger, like bigger ideas because he's got that sort of a, uh, he's just sort of wound that way. And um, yeah, it was a good, a good few days for Cody from winning to how like kind of charming and lovable he was when they were drunk to um, Monday and then Tuesday coming out at NXT and shout out there. We've got Carlito. He's coming back. They got a, a fun pop there as Carlito came back to help the Latino World Order pick up the win. Although I just, I don't feel great about Lashley and the Street Profits right now. No, I don't either. Uh, I don't either. But you know, um, I, I'm gonna give it a. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago. You know, they kind of tease. Maybe they were going back hill and they were gonna split up. I'm gonna give it a few more. I'm gonna give this a few more weeks. I'm gonna let it simmer on the on the stove. Uh, and if it doesn't get any warmer, then I'm going to crap out on it. I agree. I agree. EO beats Asuka and Charlotte in a triple threat match. Wow. What a match. Really man. good action. Wow. Yeah. And it looks yeah. like uh, reports are that Kyrie Sane had a farewell match over the weekend. They were all saying goodbye. It was very tearful. And it doesn't seem like it's any secret that she's heading back to the WWE and would imagine that she could be kind of put in right here with EO with uh with Oscar in you know in in the mix with some familiar foes i think that would be the plan for them and that would just be more fantastic in ring work there and just that depth in the women's division with these three throw someone like Kyrie Sane into the mix there uh, you know, Bailey's right there in the mix with them also Bianca is too on the smackdown side that's an incredible Women's Smackdown division And then just while we're talking about the women Rhea on Monday night Looks like she's got A couple of contenders established for her And what I love about they did is They had Shayna, Raquel, and Nia All be able to look Dominant and imposing In their own ways They didn't like bury each other I I think we may be heading For a four way with these four Oh yeah, oh yeah and I think that's the best option at this point, too. L.A. Knight gets over, man. You're in a tag team match with John Cena. You beat the bloodline. You and John Cena are raising each other's hand at the end. 
Um, <laughs> and then you're a special guest referee on Tuesday. This guy's in a really good spot right now, man. You figure just it feels like with Survivor Series coming up that whatever it's going to be, if it's going to be a War Games match or there's going to be some sort of big tag team match, it feels like he's going to be a part of that as one of your top baby faces. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what what else do you can we do with this guy? I mean, some guys don't need the world title, you know? Um I don't, I mean, just, it's surreal to see the crowd just continue to eat this guy up. I mean, I don't know what's, what's next, but to have him and Cena involved with each other, and there's a lot of people, a lot of fans like to turn on Cena and give him crap. They didn't, uh, they didn't on Saturday night. Uh, Just LA night is a machine right now, man. And he's a propaganda machine, whatever you want to call him. This dude's on fire. He can't do anything wrong. I was surprised, I think you were too, that we didn't get any uh, catching with Seth Rollins beating Nakamura clean. It was a good match. He went almost 30 minutes. But immediately following this, they, they, you know, they're telling a story that Priest is injured. They were telling a story with Rhea kind of controlling the Judgment Day and directing them. And then right away, Seth has a new challenger with Drew. And Drew has like all these layers. Drew's like a real person. How about that? Drew is like, <laughs> hey, I'm not really always, I'm not bad, but like, I just, a few things piss me off and I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. And he mentioned how he didn't want to let the the money in the bank cash in happen because he saw Bloodline take over SmackDown and, and Roman Reigns has been the champ forever. And he didn't want that to happen with the Judgment Day. That made sense to me. And Drew feels like a totally legitimate challenger for Seth. I could absolutely see Seth losing to Drew and Drew being someone to have the title and hold it for a couple months, hold it to Royal Rumble, hold it till a WrestleMania. Like anytime Drew's in the picture, he's established enough to where you wonder like, you know, they've always liked Drew. They've always thought highly of him. He could absolutely be a guy if Seth is really hurt or if they have other plans or if they want to put Seth into the Rumble and have Seth go after Roman Reigns. I don't know, you know, but I like Drew moving here, and I like what they're doing with Drew. And I, I was a little strained, uh, a little surprised that they didn't have the cash in. But you know what? They pivoted right away the next night, and they're even going to go with like Ricochet and Nakamura. It looks like for a feud. Yeah, and that's what made me okay with it. That me too. I, I thought, well, number one, I thought Nakamura may win this title. I did too. Uh, I, I thought he just might. Um, after what happened in the in the opening match, I thought, okay, we're probably going to get a cash in. Um, I would have gave this this an A plus if we would have had a cash in. But after Monday night, it made sense to me. And now I'm really excited about I'm more excited about Nakamura and Ricochet than I am with Seth Rollins and Drew at Crown Jewel, even though I'll, I know they'll tear the house down. I'm just more excited about a re- two guys re- because we said this is the best Cody Rhodes. We're also seeing the best WWE version of Shinsuke Nakamura right now. And we we were getting the best version of Ricochet two months ago with Logan Paul, right? We were a little worried right. that right after Logan Paul, he didn't have much. But what's nice, this has been a long-term storyline build for him with Shinsuke. Because Shinsuke injured him. Now he's back. Now they can actually have a nice somewhat of a feud to where it's not just... 
the, the problem with Ricochet getting over more is that the WWE treated Ricochet like how AEW treats a lot of their really talented wrestlers, where they just put him out there in matches and didn't give him stories. And you're only going to get to a certain point where you're like, hey, really good entering wrestler, but we never see you have to talk. We never see you have a, a, a storyline. There's never an angle. Now Ricochet had a Logan Paul angle. Now he had an angle. Now he's got something with Nakamura that's long term. They're putting time into him and in for him, and I think that's always a good sign. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, again, um, if it wouldn't have shook out like this on Monday night, I would have been like, man, that, this is man. I know you. Every every angle, every storyline can't be perfect, but uh, I was I was really surprised and pleased what they're doing, and I'm really excited about Shinsuke Ricochet because I think you talk about tearing the house down. Those two guys are going to tear the house down anytime they they work, whether it's on Raw, PLE, or house show. Just a couple more things to mention before we get out of here, Coop. Um, women's tag team looks like they're you know trying to put together a couple women's tag teams, but we keep seeing Chelsea out there. Um, Piper was standing up for her uh, a little bit, and um, yeah. I think I saw Matt Cardona post on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna unzip that. Vest with my teeth when, when, And someone was like Hey man you, you posted your, your DM Publicly here you know it's not, It was, it was totally yeah. Cardona to, to say yeah. that but um, Again bad luck with the women's division With the, uh, the women's Tag titles but they're On TV quite often and Every partner that Chelsea's been given she's done A really good job trying to make it work As best as possible and she's got She's shown us chemistry with Carmella with Sonia and now again with uh with Piper. So like they they must like Chelsea too because they could have very easily just said after the first or the second or the third time been like, "Oh, let's just it hasn't worked. Let's just Yeah, get she could have been a Leah type character and then get cut with those last round of cuts. But they see the talent in her. She is a great character for TV. Every women's division, every roster on every wrestling company in the world needs one or two people like Chelsea that can play the character she plays. We've never seen her really play like the baby face that much. I'm sure she could do it, but she does this character so great. Yeah, she does. And, I, I you know, I, I'm just hoping we get some tag team wrestling out of them instead of this one-on-one stuff. And look. She's a true professional actress in real life, regardless, and she does amazing with with what she's doing. But let's get let's let's get them in the ring. Let's get her and Piper in the ring. Let's look. Not every match has to be a title match, and they don't have to have a a fatal four way with four teams to be a number one contender for them to get a match. Let let's let's put some people together and let's start getting these ladies in the ring and having some tag team title matches. We. Uh... We had Bronson Reed pick up the win, so he's going to be your number one contender now for the Intercontinental Champion, uh, Gunther, and that place uh, that is going to happen next week on Raw. That'll be a really good match. It's heel versus heel, but it'll still be really, really solid. And it just feels like a lot of things are are positive right now on WWE. We mentioned that Tegan Knox match; she did a great job against Becky, um, and we got to see Johnny and. Um, and Champa look like they're going to be paired together as a team again. We 
have Rhea Shayna coming up next week, Ricochet Shinsuke yeah. in a Falls Count Anywhere, Natalia versus Piper Niven. So we've got all those built up already for Raw. Yeah, that's yeah. that's gonna be awesome. And, uh, and I think we got what we've got. Uh, we got tag team we championship. Got a, a Bronson Cody. Reed. Yeah, yeah. Bronson yeah. Gunther, Cody and Jay versus Judgment Day. Rhea versus Shayna, non-title. Ooh. Ricochet, Shinsuke, Falls Count Anywhere, and Natty versus Piper. Already Love booked it. for for next week. That's how you know it's not the big. season premiere. We're doing the season season premiere, premiere next week. Um, yeah, that was. For the most part, everything that happened this last week in wrestling, it was a packed week. We had a huge Tuesday night where everybody was firing shots at each other one after the next. Koopa Loop, I'm we're recording early and I'm kind of putting you on the spot. We didn't talk any college football. Did you have anything that you that you looked at Don't already? Don't you worry, week? Gino. Okay, Don't you let worry. me know. I'm a, <laughs> I've got Give some it games. to me. Uh, Give it to me. Okay, look, there's a really big game this week, a really big game in the Pac-12. I think it's what, maybe the first time um, that two 5-0 and teams are facing off, or 5-0 and and better since, like, the early 2000s. You have Oregon at Washington, and a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me, who do you think the best team in the country is? This was probably two and a half weeks ago. And I said, I think Washington's the best team in the country. I think this Penix kid... Uh, Fantastic! You know, everyone's in love with him. He's got this great flowing motion. And then I watched a game of theirs a couple of Saturday nights ago. And yeah, they kind of just ran through the motions. And yeah, they ended, I can't remember who they're playing. They end up uh, uh, putting them away. Everyone loves Washington. They're in love with Washington. And I think of the final year of the Pac-12, I think, man of all years to disintegrate that conference, this is... This is going to be the worst, but heck, what an ending it's going to be for the Pac-12. You know what here, Gino? I'm going the other way. I, I, I like Quack, quack, Oregon quack, Ducks quack, here. Mr. Ducksworth. Quack, quack, quack. Hey, hey look, um, just a couple of things uh, on Oregon. Um, I think they're, they're getting three points here, so I'm going to take the three points here for Oregon. Washington, look, uh, it is impressive. Uh, they're on a heck of a run. Um I think Oregon's defense is a little bit better here. Um, I, I know they gave up a bunch of yards. Uh, uh, Washington gave up a bunch. That's who the game was when I watched with, with Washington was Cal. They gave up over 500 yards to Cal. Yeah. I don't know it kind of been meaningless or whatever it was, but championship teams don't do that. Um, I'm a stat guy. Uh, uh, Washington is the last two years chalk, seven, two, and one. But you know what? The Ducks are on an eight and three against the spread run inside the Pac-12. And and guess what? This is a revenge game for them. Washington beat them last year. And guess what? The visitor in this series, three and oh, straight up, three and oh against the spread uh, with a seven point average cover. I'm going to take the better defense here. I'm going to go with Washington plus three. Okay. I'm going to take Washington. My other two quick games. Wait, wait. So you wait. So you're going, uh, you're man. going, you're going Oregon plus the three. Oh, excuse me. Or, Oregon plus three. three. Quite, quite. Give me the yeah, Ducks Washington. and the crazy uniforms plus Washington's three. Washington's okay? a three point favorite. Your over under in that game is like 67. They're both expecting to score yeah, a lot of points. Yeah, and everyone's going to bet the over. The, the, yeah, thing, yeah, the thing about <laughs> is that it's like it, it'll be one of those who's going to stop you, but I, you are hitting on it. I trust Oregon defensively more. And Oregon's run game and sort of overall balance 
than I think Washington, who's got a really prolific passer and can absolutely light you up. But I think when the game slowed down a little bit more like this, also didn't last year Washington beat Oregon in that game, Yes, right? they did. This is a revenge spot for revenge Oregon. Spot. Yes. So in a massive game for, I think these are the, or they were before last week, the second and third in the Heisman. And Penix, uh, Penix has won now because Caleb didn't have a very good game statistically last week. And um, so right. he's been fantastic. Uh, Coop, a loop, my man, where are we, uh, are we going anywhere else this week? Or are we going to load up on, uh, on Oregon? No, I, my Houston Cougars are pitiful. They're playing at home against West Virginia. That's Dana Holgerson's uh, old former school. Houston is just embarrassing. They'll be up and they'll and they'll fight uh, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia's looked really salty the last two weeks. This is Friday night in Houston, but I'm going to go with West Virginia minus two and a half. And boy, I, boy, I hope you didn't buy into those Kentucky Wildcats last week. It's everyone thought they were going to unseat Georgia. Guess what? Georgia just put the hammer down. We're the two-time defending champions. You got to beat us. Guess who they get this week? They play Vanderbilt, who over the last two seasons, they've beat 117 to zero. Georgia's off next week. Why is this spread only minus 31? Give me Georgia minus 40 here, Gino. The Bulldogs will be barking against Uh Vanderbilt. A big one for the Coop there, and he's going with the dog of the Ducks on the other side. Koopaloop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. Hope you're feeling better. This was a fun week to talk some wrestling. We'll be back next week talking everything in the world of wrestling. Make sure to give Chad a follow at TheChadCooper on Twitter and on Instagram. You have a good one, buddy. All right, Gino. Talk next week. Thanks so much, folks, but don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Barry Spears helping us out, talking some racing. Make sure to download those stable dual apps. And for Eric, as always, with the NFL game previews for every single game of the year right here on That's What G Said Podcast. Coming up later this week, we will have Friday, DRF Sports, the winning ticket, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Come join me for uh, college football best bets for the weekend and for NFL best bets for the weekend, me and Eric. Then we'll have Saturday, Santa Anita. Saturday, Woodbine videos for those you want to follow on social media. We'll have recaps coming up of Ahsoka, the uh, series finale. We'll have Loki episodes one and two. So much going on right now. Make sure to follow us all over the socials and to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great weekend.